0: Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of May 11th, 2023, including Phil Spencer had an extremely candid interview with Kind of Funny last week and went through everything that went wrong with Redfall, Xbox's woes, and the future of the brand overall. And we're going to do a deep dive into all that today and... this day in Xbox history, in the year 2010, 13 years ago, Lost Planet 2 was released for the Xbox 360. I only ever played the demo for Lost Planet 1. I remember liking it a lot as a kid, but also not really having a full grasp over what it was. In hindsight, I only just, I kind of think of it as like sci-fi Monster Hunter. It was a Capcom game, but it wasn't very Monster Hunter. It had Monster Hunter like elements. I know it had like a large emphasis on large, on big boss fights, but there was also like guns and mech suits and more exploration lost planet is a cool game i know it's one of those franchises where it's like not a whole lot of people you know by today's standards like a successful game kind of thing where not a lot of people quote unquote played it or experienced it back in the day but those who did swear by what a great series this was i know there were three of them i think one and two are considered largely the better ones if i'm if i'm not mistaken but yeah I don't have a lot of experience with Lost Planet. It's kind of on that list of, like, games from that era I probably would have played if I wasn't too busy being 13 years old with no source of income. But I know it's a loved franchise nonetheless, so shout-out to Lost Planet. Um, obviously, did well enough, you know, that it got a couple sequels. But, yeah, I feel like that's I feel like that's something that Capcom could probably bring back today and find success in, but Capcom's doing so well right now. I mean, I guess what, what incentive do they, you know, maybe they can save that for when they're running out of steam is go to the well of Lost Planet, but... Nonetheless, an important game to the history of the Xbox 360, no doubt. The only Xbox console where the whole world seems to agree was uh, just un- you know, unabashedly a, a good console <laughs> as we watch Xbox Series S and, S-, S and X start to decline into the same state or at least the same perceived state that the Xbox One found itself in. Guys, starting off this week really grim because, well, hey, that's how Papa Phil Spencer's ...kind of behaving right now, so why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we have the same kind of head on our shoulders, the same attitude, the sullen outlook on the future of our uh, our brand, our, our green, mean, most powerful machine, the Xbox? No, that's a little bit of humor, but guys, I'm very excited about this week. Actually, I'm a little disappointed. I'm, I'm excited because the news we had to talk about is so fun, but I'm a little disappointed because in usual Xbox on fashion, the biggest, most exciting news happened... Like, 12 hours after I, I finished making the podcast. So, yeah, last Thursday, just hours after the podcast went up for all you guys to listen to, Phil Spencer was on a very tell-all, very, uh, you know, very, uh, very big interview with Kind of Funny that I'm sure if you're even remotely an Xbox fan, you've probably heard about this by now you've probably seen clips of it or watched it yourself or heard another podcast where they discussed it so yeah it's kind of old news at this point we're we're about a week out from when this happened but it's just kind of sometimes what happens you put your podcast out and then the next morning you know late breaking news it just it, it's kind of the nature of the beast i've thought about shifting xbox on to maybe release on fridays record it thursdays but then we would just get big friday news every week i just i feel like it's just the situation, the problem is going to follow me wherever I go. The only way out would be if I recorded the podcast on Saturdays and then it went live on Sundays. Because you're not it, the only time you're ever getting Xbox news on the Sunday is when they do their summer showcase event, which is just always on like the first or second Sunday of June. But you know, you can you can plan around and schedule for that one. But anyway, it's not going to happen. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sacrifice my Saturday nights, the one and only night of the week where I have the ability to stay up late and play video games to stay up late and talk about video games. It just seems seems counterproductive if you're being selfish and not thinking about the growth of your podcast and purely thinking about wanting to have a good time. Guys, this isn't relevant. No one cares. Alright, it's Xbox On. It's a podcast about Xbox. If you're still listening, then hey, we're going to talk about Xbox at nauseum today. But first, before we get into the Phil Spencer interview, before we get into deeper impressions on uh, Redfall, which I've played a ton of this week, um, we're going to first talk about the notable game releases coming out this week, uh, the big one for Xbox, I would say, is Weird West. I've seen a lot of a marketing push for this one. It's going to be a Day One Game Pass title, so that's probably why I'm seeing a lot of marketing push for it. But yeah, at the time, as of the time this is a, uh, this podcast is up, the game's already been on Game Pass a couple days. It's out. You can go play it. It's like a top-down esque per third-person perspective twin-stick RPG wild west shooter twin-stick type game that actually looks really good uh it reminds me a lot of that other game pass twin stick cowboy shooter that this game is not apparently related to but looks kind of like it but anyway this game is uh, apparently really good people are saying it's it's a pretty good time i don't know when i'll get around to it i would like to try this game but i got some other things on my plate right now but weird west shout out to you developed by wolf eye studios actually interestingly enough Uh, Apparently, there's some ex-Arcane Studios talent who worked on this game. So, hey, look at that. People who worked on Prey and Dishonored uh, ended up working on this instead of Redfall to some extent. So, there you go. Yeah, that game's out. I know people are excited about that. So, pretty nice get for Game Pass there. Also, if you are still on the Xbox One ecosystem, you don't have a Series S or X. Marvel's Midnight Suns is officially out this week. I think Hogwarts Legacy is now out on Xbox One as well. God bless you if you're going to try to play that thing on an Xbox 1, but uh yeah, so you can pick up those games. Don't, just just listen man, just then me if t- if cash is tight, let's get you a let's get you a Series S. Come on man. You got to get off the Xbox 1. They're just they're just they just run like shit. I mean, maybe if you have like a, a an Xbox 1X, maybe you're okay. I don't know. I never had a 1X. I just held on to my day one VCR Xbox 1 with Connect uh from 2013 until the Series X came out. So, I don't know, but Man, I can't imagine trying to run some of these current games that are coming out on my old VCR Xbox. In fact, I, I know I know how badly that goes because my old Xbox One is a glorified YouTube Netflix player in my bedroom, and uh, one time I tried to play Sonic Frontiers on it, and uh, it did not go well. So anyway, uh, last one, I guess this is, I mean, I guess. No, this is definitely not an Xbox game. This has nothing to do with Xbox, but I'm going to give it a shout-out nonetheless because, you know, like I've said in the past, I think everyone can kind of understand where, they, you know, I know you get this. If you're listening to this podcast, I know you get where I'm coming from. Everyone cuts their teeth on Nintendo growing up as a gamer. So, whether you play Nintendo to this day or you don't, I know at one point, at least, Nintendo was a part of your life. So, shout out to Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. It's no doubt not only the, the biggest game coming out this week, but it's definitely one of the top five biggest games of the year. Probably going to end up being one of the top three biggest games of the year. I mean, when all is said and done, uh, the big games this year are going to be, well, what? It's going to be Zelda, Harry Potter, Starfield, and Spider-Man. So, you know, there's one and then maybe Jedi's fallen survivors fallen orders of survivors. So there you go. A couple of multi plats and then a big game from each of the big three players. So hey, everyone gets a little bit of representation. There you go. Uh, and then and then they'll all get outsold by whatever fucking Call of Duty Atrocity Sledgehammer slaps together by November tenth. So hey <laughs> there you go but no shout out to zelda i know a lot of people are i, I have no interest in playing this game personally um, i played breath of the wild i put 50 60 hours into it when the switch first came out i enjoyed breath of the wild i think it is a, is technically a good game um i i did enjoy it it was fun i see a lot of the appeal i also think the game is absurdly overrated and i and while i can accept the reality where this is what zelda is like i would i would just also prefer for there to be an alternative option where i could play my uh Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker-style Zelda games, because that's the Zelda that I, I just very much enjoy and prefer. But nonetheless, even though it's not for me, doesn't matter what I think. The overwhelming majority of people are going to probably play this game, love this game. I'm sure it will get out overwhelmingly positive reviews. It'll probably get a 10 out of 10 from every fucking critic who touches it. And it uh, doesn't matter. People will love it. It's going to be a good time. So shout out to all you. If this week you're looking forward to uh, playing some Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, what a fucking terrible name for a game, but I'm sure it's good. All right, Activision update, guy I was I was literally just trying to be positive and just like give a shout out to people looking forward to that game, and I ended up coming off, I think, as as like an ex- <laughs> as like a forced excuse to like rag on people. I don't mean it that way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, excited Zelda fans. Please know I am I am happy for you as I sit here and play my. Broken Redfall. Uh, all right, Activision updates, guys. Let's talk about our updates pertaining to the Activision Blizzard deal. Um, hey, we got three of them this week, but it's kind of fun because it's not the usual like um, Bobby Kotick stopped touching women and harassing people of color for five seconds to uh, make a statement. Instead, we're gonna have some some interesting comments. We got we got the CEO of EA Games commenting on the deal. We got uh, some info pertaining to possibly the European Union approving the deal. So some some fun updates, in uh, in updates that are actually interesting to hear about and not just uh, necessary for us to go over. So let's start off with that 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 bigger one, the EU possibly approving the deal. Uh, so this report came as of the day I'm recording this from Reuters, Router, Re- I, I always thought it was pronounced Reuters, so that's what I'm going to call it, I don't care. But uh, they did some good reporting where they uh, said that, quote, The EU antitrust regulators are set to approve Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of Activision next week, with with May 15th as the likeliest date, people familiar with the matter have said. The EU antitrust enforcer is expected to clear the acquisition for Microsoft after they agreed to licensing deals with cloud streaming rivals like NVIDIA, Ukraine's Boostroid, Japan's Ubitus, other people with direct knowledge of the matter, have told Reuters uh, back in March. So keep in mind, that's a big thing. Told Reuters back in March. This information is a couple months old, but as of March, it seems like they were pretty uh, gung-ho or or ready to, you know, give the stamp of approval. Uh, The agreement also says that with Nintendo, for Nintendo, uh, Microsoft will bring Activision's Call of Duty franchise to Nintendo's platform. Should the acquisition go through, uh, also, U.S. distributor Valve Corporation, owner of the world's largest video game distribution platform Steam, uh, declined to con uh, contract decline a contract, saying that they trust Microsoft. Which you might remember that story from uh, some point last year. The commission, which has set a May 22nd deadline for its decision, declined to comment on the reporting. So, they have till this is it, the European Union, the other big regulatory body they're dealing with over in Europe, basically has until May 22nd to make a final verdict. And this report, as of March, says that they're ready to put their stamp of approval on the deal as early as the 15th. So, a whole week before they have to make a decision, they're basically planning on saying, yeah, we approve it, let's, let's be done with this. So... Obviously, a lot can change between March and May. So, and a lot has changed because we've seen the CMA straight up deny the deal, and that could have serious consequences. This could really push other regulatory bodies to. Double check and consider, you know, what what they've rendered as a verdict, and maybe makes it a little harder. So it is possible the EU still says no to this. But if nothing has really changed since then, it seems like the European Union is going to approve this deal in just a few days. So uh, what is the fifteenth? Is Monday. So by by Monday, we we might hear of an approval on this deal from the EU. And honestly. You know, not like I've ever known what was going on with this deal from any point in the beginning up until now because I'm not a legal expert. I don't know any of the shit, nor does really anyone who's trying to cover it. But you know, you can imagine if this goes through the EU and then it gets through the FTC here in the states, and then it's really just the CMA over in over in uh, over in the UK kind of gunking up the deal. Then I mean, you gotta wonder like what's gonna happen? Do they end up getting Activision and then? You know, our, our poor friends across the pond end up suffering by getting some gimped version of Game Pass where they pay just as much as we do, but they get fewer games because they don't own Activision in that market or something. Like, how, how does this end up working? So it, it'll be really... Uh, I'll be really curious to see how this goes. I guess that's like my number one question is what that means for the CMA if this deal end up getting approved by the other two. Because remember, the big players were they need to get... Approved by the CMA, which is basically the UK governing board or regulatory board, the EU, which is the more broader European board, and then the FTC here in the US. And those were the three obstacles they had to get over before this deal was basically done. And the CMA shot him and the, kind of kneecapped this whole, this whole deal a few weeks back, but we might get the approval from the other two bodies, which are, you know, I don't mean this in a mean way frankly, more important because they they represent a larger and more important sector of the economy, so of the global economy. So I just, I don't know. I, I wonder what that means for this deal. Should it get approved at the end of the day by everybody except one body, which is a pretty important one, but not the most important one in terms of like um, trying to get everyone on board. So does that kind of strong arm uh, the the CMA and this in this process of appeals that Activision and Microsoft are going through or does it end up you know the deal goes through and then Activision is recognized as a owned subsidiary of Microsoft in all parts of the world except the UK where they have to operate as like some kind of spin-off brand that has licensing agreements from an Activision owned by Microsoft everywhere else in the world except in the UK and it's like what it's it's such a messy situation i just feel like Microsoft and Activision are not going to let this thing go. So, if the other regulatory boards at this point in time are willing to give the give the green light and let this thing go through, I feel like that puts the CMA in more of a position than it puts Microsoft and Activision. If that makes sense. So, again, not that I know this is all just gut feeling and and, and uh, complete ignorance, but it makes you wonder. Our second update here is that Microsoft has reportedly hired a lawyer known for reportedly defeating the EU regulator in competition cases as it prepares to appeal to UK's regulatory decisions uh, after they blocked the deal. So speaking of the CMA, uh, and as reported by The Telegraph via Yahoo Finance, the company has now hired Daniel Beard. KC, and plans to lodge an appeal at the UK's competition appeal tribunal in a matter of days. Beard, who is described, and so I wonder, you know, a side note, if they have, if they have intel- you know, suggesting that this deal is about to go through in the EU in the next couple of days. Could this be a strategic launch for their appeal process with the UK to try and get this going in the next couple of days? You know, who knows? Who knows? A Little tinfoil hat, maybe. Uh, but Beard, who is described in the article as a leading com- uh, c- competition barrister, uh, barrister, barrister, yeah, barristers, how you say it? Uh, has a reputation for overturning large-scale decisions made by the EU regulator. Uh, regulator. Uh, he has represented Apple in the EU deman- after the EU demanded the company pay 13 billion euro in taxes because it declined uh, it claimed rather that Ireland had offered it illegal state aid apple went on to win the appeal uh, he also represented intel last year in successful in a successful attempt to overturn a decade old 1.1 billion dollar or billion euro fine after the EU claimed that it was unfairly dominating the microchip market Microsoft now hopes that beard will be similarly successful in appealing the CMA's decision to block the company's 69 billion dollar acquisition of Activision Blizzard so he's got a good track record let's see how it goes uh, here we are all on the sidelines cheering for uh, the lawyer and the big corporation to beat out the government but that's hey that's what's come to here in 2023 your your ancestors would be proud of you uh, the, yeah, the corporations won. Uh, all right, so there's that, and then finally, our last update, and this is the most a fun one because it's all, it's all in the industry. Nothing legality, nothing legal about it. It's just, it's just uh, gaming people talking to gaming people. From VGC, Electronic Arts CEO has said that the company is, quote, indifferent as to whether Microsoft's proposed deal with Activision Blizzard is successful or not. In a Q&A following the company's latest earnings call this past week, Andrew Wilson, CEO of EA, said, or was asked what he thinks about the implications of the deal and what they are for the video game industry and for future consolidation, to which he says, quote, this is a question I get asked a lot. I almost uh, am never allowed to answer the question either, as it turns out. What I would say is I I don't know what's going to happen to Activision and, and Microsoft. Again, we continue to be Microsoft's biggest partner, and I think we're number one publisher on their platform so whether the deal goes through or not is not really a material uh, is not really material to us broadly we uh, we think that we have a scale with our network and our IP and our talent to continue to navigate the future and lead the future of entertainment and compete in the market regardless of whether the deal goes through or not. Wilson also suggests that further industry mergers are inevitable and in that he wants EA to be a good in a good position should it ever be involved in one. Quote, long term, you know, will the industry be consolidating or will there ever be a broader entertainment consolidation? If I was predicting over the future long term, I would say that there's almost certainty at some level. He explained, I would love for us to be able to scale to a meaningful consolidator in that space. I'm going to read that again. That's crazy. I would love for us to have the scale to be a meaningful consolidator in that space. I think that we have tremendous assets." with respect to the future of the entertainment. But as it stands today, I think that we're indifferent as to whether Microsoft's Activision deal goes through or not. We feel like we have an incredible strategy. We feel like we have incredible opportunity. And whether that goes through or not, we continue to be the number one publisher for Microsoft's platform. Okay, so let me just reiterate. So someone asked Andrew Wilson, the the CEO of EA Games, what do you think about the Microsoft Activision deal? And his response is essentially... I get asked this all the time, and I'm generally not allowed to answer to it, but here we go. Because on a on a Q&A during, a, during an earnings call, during an, uh, f- like a fiscal quarter earnings call with investors... The corporation is not allowed to lie. It's it's a, it's actual like a legalities thing. Like these are your investors. These are people who fund your company. You cannot lie. So if they ask, you know, you either have to have a really good PR way to kind of say what you got to say without saying what you want to say, or or should say, or or you got you got to tell the dead honest truth. So he's kind of put on a spot here, asked a question by some shareholder that made it you know put him in a legal situation where he had to say something. So that's we're lucky that this question was asked because that's how we get the quote to begin with. So with that out of the way, it, you know, you got to understand his target audience. He's clearly talking to investors, so again, he's trying to strengthen the image and the appeal of of EA and instill confidence in investors to keep the company healthy and well, you know, well financed. But also this isn't the first time we've seen Andrew Wilson kind of you know, you know, pucker his lips and bat his eyes and go. We we are open to someone offering us sixty nine billion dollars and purchasing EA. Uh, what do you What do you guys think? Battlefield and some broken Star Wars games are worth. What do you guys say? Oh, we got a Titanfall IP we refuse to use. You want to buy us? Well, you like football. You got John Madden. He's dead, but his games are doing well. You know, so like that's kind of that was kind of his response last time, and now he's using this question about what do you think? You know, because. As gamers, I think we all kind of understand, like it's all there's always been kind of a parody with certain certain players in the space, right? You kind of think about Microsoft. It's like, what's the yin and yang with Microsoft? It's Microsoft and PlayStation, right? X, Sony, Microsoft, Xbox, PlayStation, right? And then the yin and yang among the publishers. There's always been like a Activision, EA kind of yin and yang, where they're both these big West uh, West Coast American publishers that ha- are deep rooted back from the old arcade days. Uh, they're be- really well known for their sports franchises and their and their sh- first person shooters and they're an unapologetically American publisher, annualized franchises things like that there there's a lot of similarity there's a lot of uh continuity kind of in the the ea versus activision realm and you know people often relegate in 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 our world of people constantly having to align themselves with a corporation or a brand or an identity or a color scheme uh you know just like people choose mcdonald's or burger king over you know one or the other apple versus android uh there has always seemed to be a little bit of like a even if it's more of like an undertone something that doesn't get discussed a whole lot a kind of activision ea parallel you know where it's like are you battlefield or are you call of duty you know are you are you fucking like uh, tony hawk and shit like that or are you, are you ssx that, th- those kinds of things where um yeah regardless like th- there's there's a parody and it seems here like what andrew Wilson's saying is like hey it seems like this deal might not go through but you know what we uh we're your biggest partner xbox you know we of all the publishers that that put games on your platform we sell the most copies. We make the most money off microtransactions. Like we're a really important part of your brand. Hey, remember, uh, EA Play is a part of Game Pass Ultimate. We made that deal with you. We've always been good partners. We've had a long legacy together, a long relationship together. So uh, you know, if that deal doesn't go through with Activision, maybe you want to knock on our door and see if you can buy us. Maybe regulators will let you. Will, will let you buy us since Battlefield doesn't have the same kind of cultural dominance that Call of Duty has. You know what do you what do you say? That is the only way really I can read this response is it's like, yeah, I I could comment on what I think about, you know, Microsoft, a company we have a long lasting relationship with, um, not trying to court us and acquire us, but going out of left field and jumping on Activision, a company that. They actually have lost their long-standing good relationship with, to some extent, because, you know, ever since the PS4 era, um, Activision's been in bed with Sony with marketing deals for Call of Duty and Destiny and things like that, so if anything... It, it, you know, EA could have used this as an excuse to be like, yeah, we're a little hurt by Microsoft. We've been a longstanding partner with them we're their number one publishing partner on their platform as far as third parties are concerned. And, you know, we got a lot of deals together, but they went after Activision, which is like our, our, our biggest competitor instead of us. And uh, no, he didn't do that. He's basically just like, hey, heard that deal might not go through. Just want to let you know, you might even be able to get us uh, with less regulatory scrutiny and uh, fewer concessions and maybe even less than $69 billion because we don't have Call of Duty. And that's kind of how this reads. It's like, hey, you won't get a COD every year on Game Pass, but you will get Madden and uh, whatever the new FIFA game is going to be called now that it doesn't get the FIFA brand. Um, and hey, you can have a bunch of uh, non-existent Titanfall sequels and make Buku Bucks off Apex Legends. What do you say? So I thought that was a really compelling and interesting quote uh from andrew ryan because there's just so much we can glean on from it uh it's first time we've had some kind of update as regard you know in regards to this deal or some some conversations surrounding this deal in a while that's just been like pure dumb fun and also something i feel like i can actually uh speak to instead of just being like well you know the lawyers have um terms and clauses that they have to abide by in an effort to adjunct uh so it's it's nice it's nice to have something fun to talk about with this deal But yeah, Andrew, Andrew, I always keep almost saying Andrew Ryan. This is not Bioshock. Andrew Wilson, you sly dog. No one wants to buy you. Also, it's kind of gross. He's kind of like championing further consolidation of the market. I understand. That's like how you. That's like how you win the game of of capitalism. It's like, it's like you start from nothing, build an empire. Uh, crush everyone around you, make the world objectively a worse place uh, for you know the workers in exchange for a slight consumer uh, convenience like prime shipping, and then uh, and then grow to the point where you can just sell the business off to somewhere someone else and just uh, maybe get an island like Epstein or something like that. That's kind of, that's kind of like the name of the game. So it seems like Wilson's like, hey, I'm ready for my 69 billion dollars too. Uh, but nonetheless, let's move on. Fun fun uh, fun little anecdote there to. Little story, a little something to wet your appetite with while we wait to get to these Phil Spencer quotes in the main news, guys. That's uh, that's it for the Activision Microsoft deal stuff. Let's go on to our stories of mild amusement. Updates from last week. Uh, we got a couple quick ones, but interesting ones here as well, guys. You know how the Xbox Series S and X had this silly proprietary expansion system for. Uh, additional storage and it kind of sucks but it's kind of cool because the cards are really slim and it's really easy to just slot it in it's kind of awesome but it also kind of sucks because it's expensive well good news Seagate has officially dropped the price of its Xbox Series S and X storage expansion cards this past week uh, the Twitter account for Xbox notified players that the price cuts um, which unfortunately have only appeared to be affecting the US buyers uh, but will hopefully soon expand are, uh, are official and effect- effective immediately in you know going into effect. So, it's uh, a bad sentence, but anyway, Xbox Series X and S, which launched back in 2020, uh, with a one terabyte Seagate expansion card. Priced at $219.99, uh, was later joined by a 512 gigabyte card for $139.99 and a two terabyte card for $399.99 in late 2021. Well, now those prices have been adjusted as follows. The 512 gigabyte card has gone from about $140 US dollars to $90 US dollars. The one terabyte card, so about $50 savings, the one terabyte card has gone from $220 to 150 so a 70 dollar savings pretty substantial and then the two terabyte card that was 400 bucks has now gone down to 280 120 dollars uh difference in price so don't get me wrong 90 dollars for for half a terabyte of expansion storage is still pricey as hell i think back in 2014 i bought an external two terabyte Standard hard drive for my Xbox One at Best Buy, and I paid like $60, $70 for it. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely expensive as hell. I get it. Listen, it's NVMD, MES, SD card, microchip, whatever. It's different. The technology is different. It's a lot more fa- It's a lot faster. It's a lot more advanced. It's a lot more. Uh, low profile and cool, you're definitely paying for some extra, so I listen, I don't have a problem with these cards being, you know, slightly more expensive than your average SSD, because you are paying for that form factor and that proprietary tech, but I mean, at the end of the day, 90 bucks in 2023 for half a terabyte of storage is still a lot of money, you know, like, I'd like to see that number get closer to, like, 50 bucks if possible, at least, and then and then see that one terabyte card, you know, again, 150 bucks, is a lot more, you know, appealing than 220 dollars, but I'd like to see us get that number a little closer, like a hundred bucks, if we can. But this is a step in the right direction. Very exciting, nonetheless, and hopefully this lowers the barrier to entry for some more gamers, so we can get uh, more people expanding their storage. I keep seeing that. I don't know if you guys seen on like Twitter and, and stuff that that like new meme structure for Xbox, where people are like, "Here's what my Xbox Series S can hold," uh, because Series S only has half a terabyte of storage on it to begin with. I think I think after the OS, it only has about four hundred gigs, really. But uh, it, it's, like, the meme where people will put, like, two games that take up almost the entire hard drive on their um, on their Xbox. And it's always, like, a Call of Duty game and then, like, paired with, like, Destiny or, or something like that. That's just, like, two games as a service type games that are, like, 200 gigs each. And, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. People need to be able to expand the storage, especially because these consoles come with way less storage than they should. And these games take up way much more space than, I don't know if maybe they should is the right thing to say about that because I don't know how hard it is to consolidate these files and get them down to a respectable file size, but if you know a game is averaging around 100 gigabytes per install, you know, maybe Xbox, PlayStation, maybe you guys need to figure out how to get more more uh, more storage into these boxes and, and make adding storage down the road a little more affordable, but as a closing statement to this story, also important to keep in mind, last month uh, there was a leak on, I think it was on Best Buy uh, listing that was leaked and then pulled down where it showed that Western Digital basically Seagate's uh, arch nemesis the other big you know external storage manufacturer ha- there was a listing for their version of one of these proprietary Xbox Expansion cards. It was a one terabyte Western Digital expansion card for Series S and X. It appeared on BestBuy.com. There's, there was a, a I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a reduced price. It was like twenty, thirty percent cheaper than the Seagate price. So hopefully, you know that that listing was pulled. But hopefully, we get the announcement soon that those are real. They're coming. Obviously, it's real if it was on BestBuy.com. It is real. But hopefully, we get the word soon that they are coming out sooner rather than later. And then some more competition can help drive the prices prices further down as time goes on. Um, because honestly, I'll speak for myself. Like, I'm I'm not paying this money for an expansion. Like, I, I don't need the two terabyte. I'd like to at least get a one terabyte. Five hundred twelve gigs is way too small. But I'm not paying one hundred and fifty bucks for one more terabyte on my console. I'm just not doing that. So, I would love to expand. Uh, I'm just waiting for that price to go down. And in the meantime, I will just I will just fucking uninstall and shift around games on external hard drives and do whatever kind of trickery I got to do to get get my games loaded on my console. But just I mean. This has got to get worked on, guys. Come on. All right. Next up, let's talk about Private Division. This is a really weird one. It's an odd match. Kind of like how Wild Hearts had uh, the uh, Tecmo guys with EA. We're going to see something kind of like that in a little bit where with this story where it's just a, an unlikely pairing. So, from VGC, Take-Two publisher label Private Division. As a rem- reminder, P- Private Division is basically Take-Two's, like, smaller... Label publisher like it's it's take Two, the guys that do like rockstar games like GTA But it's like a second publisher that's under take two for like smaller games that they don't necessarily want to align with the take Two branding And so private divisions done, you know games like outer worlds before Microsoft bought obsidian So for reference, you know, they've worked on some pretty notable games, but private division the publisher uh, has signed on to a new action-adventure IP to work, uh, game with uh, with developer, Game Freak. Uh, of all of all teams, codenamed Project Bloom. The title is expected to be released during Take Two's fiscal year '26, which ends in March of 2026. So by you know about three years from now, we, we should see this game come out. The first piece of the concept art of the game, which is an early development, uh, has been shown online. I actually haven't looked at it, so it's a bad the bad on me for not being prepared. Uh, but th- founded in 1989, this Japanese studio, Game Freak, best known for the creation of over 30 entries in the Pokemon franchise, you know they they. Spoke out on the deal and said the following quote: "We're thrilled to have the opportunity to create new IP that is bold and totally different from our prior work," said Game Freak director Kota Furoshima. "Quote from beginning from the beginning, Private Division was the publisher we wanted to work with on our new game. Yeah, right. Uh, the track record and global expertise gives us all the confidence to create a sweeping new action adventure game that we can't wait to see and share more about in the future." Another quote, quote <laughs> from a different source. Uh, we're ready to help Game Freak unleash their potential, and we're honored to be the first Western publisher to work alongside this exceptionally talented and proven team to bring a bold new IP to market, said Private Division Head and Take-Two Chief Strategy Officer Michael woros Waros is, uh, you gotta work on that spelling of the last name, man, maybe... Go back in time and, and strangle someone. I don't know. Uh, anyway, end quote. A decade ago, Game Freak set up an internal initiative called Gear Project, in which uh, developers could pitch original game ideas during their quarter, or sorry, during their quieter periods when Pokemon games uh, were in such an active development state. You know, in the earlier kind of phases of Pokemon development. Although this studio is best known for the Pokemon series, it has released games, a number of smaller games unrelated to Pokemon, uh, in recent history, about the past ten years or so, like. Uh, Harmonite, te- I don't know what that is. Tembo the Badass Elephant, I remember that. That was a, a Wii eShop. That was either Wii U eShop or I think it was 3DS eShop actually. Um, and then it came to Xbox Arcade actually. Yeah, it was an Xbox like indie game at one point. And uh, Giga Wrecker. So they they've worked on smaller games like I'm we're talking about like kind of like indie style 2D projects. They've never, as far as like large scale full AAA type games, they've only ever made Pokemon. So. This is a big deal. They're they're not working with Nintendo. They're not working with another Japanese label. They're working with Private Division. It's it's so funny when they're like, uh, when the quote from from <laughs> from Game Freak says, "From the beginning, Private Division was the publisher we wanted to work with on our new game." You could tell it's just one of those like Japanese things that was poorly translated because, what the fuck does that? E- what what does that even mean? Yeah. Oh man. From from the get, I always I always knew I wanted to work for private division I always said if we make it big and we get to work with a, a big American publisher we wanted to work with private division <laughs> so I just think that's funny right there but no this is obviously it's obviously crazy man like we're seeing they're calling it a new action adventure IP so from the people that make you Pokemon bring you Pokemon we're getting a new game published by a subsidiary of the publisher that brings you Grand Theft Auto uh, and the publisher of games like the outer worlds and uh yeah we're gonna get a a a new action adventure ip from the pokemon developers so i think this is just this is such a funny you know like no one would have had this on their bingo card kind of uh you know pairing and it's fun it's cool like right like i i actually really encourage and look forward to seeing more and more of this like Japanese publishers on Western games or Japanese games with Western publishers and just kind of seeing like these different, these different combinations, you know, like, you know, even if it doesn't always work out, I know when like uh, Crystal Dynamics was owned by Square Enix, that wasn't necessarily seen as the best fit or, you know, fucking Remedy working with Smilegate on Crossfire X. I know, you know, there's not always a great history with these crossovers, but you know, you get your wild hearts when you get, like, your Koei Tecmo guys working with EA. So it can happen. You can It can happen when you get this bleeding of two different worlds where you get something really unique and really different. Because you got, like, this uh, this publisher with this Western sensibility you knowing kind of what these big AAA action uh, kind of dominant, generally multiplayer-centric game experiences are like. And then they kind of work with the more, uh, and I mean this in the most complimentary way, like, eccentric and unique and, like, quirky Japanese developers to make something that's just so... not just another Call of Duty or Gears of War-like game. So, it's cool. It's it's really cool to see these combinations kind of become a reality, and then at the end of it, we get a game unlike anything we've ever seen before. So, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes out on this, because although, obviously, we don't really know anything about the game or have anything to go off as to whether or not it's going to be good, it is an interesting matchup, and therefore, on that alone, I'm just looking forward to seeing whatever the hell this game ends up becoming. So... That's cool. From the people who brought you Pokemon, uh, we're going to get some kind of new game on Xbox, presumably, in the next couple of years. It's like a action-adventure game. All right. And finally, before we get into the main news, let's wrap up with what seems to be like our monthly or quarterly update on Dragon Age Dreadwolf, a game that I have no beef with Dragon Age as a franchise. I just, I'm just so tired of this game always being in the news cycle, despite the fact that it's never been properly, like shown or revealed with a full-blown trailer and gameplay like come fuck on man it's like i don't need xbox constantly teasing me about this indiana jones game that like there's nothing to show yet you know like just just shut the fuck up until the game's ready to go that's that's my thing with dragon age but it always shows up you know a couple times a year it always shows up in the news and they're talking about some bullshit that's like great now go away (laughs) And uh, this week is no different because, here we go, from VGC, Dragon Age Dreadwolf isn't currently scheduled for release before April 2024. That's according to publisher EA. So on their investor call uh, that took place this, uh, this week, we learned that the game's not planned to be released in fiscal year 24. And fiscal year 24 for EA ends on March 31st, 2024, so about a year from now, roughly a year from now, 10 months from now. Um, so there's no plan for Dragon Age Dreadwolf to release Basically, what that means is this year or early next year, Um, and those are prime times to release a game like this because we all know the end of the year and the beginning of the year are the two busiest times for game releases. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, disappointing if you thought you were going to get this game. Obviously, I think the plan is to get this game ready for next fall. Um, and then we'll have a big we'll probably see some of it this summer uh, we'll, we'll see some like official reveal and then next year we'll see a lot more of it and then in the fall it will come out uh but you know then we'll get our inevitable series of 25 delays that every game receives these days so it's just crazy to me that they have the audacity to put this in the news cycle obviously this isn't ea looking for a way to spin it into news this is it came up on an investor call so it uh It's not like they're trying to get this into the news cycle, so I can forgive it in this instance, but I'm so tired of hearing about this game that we haven't ever even seen yet. But uh, you might remember that last October, Bioware General Manager uh, Gary McKay stated that Dragon Age Dreadwolf has reached its alpha status and was playable from opening scenes of the first mission to the very end of the game at this point. So they are really going gung-ho on polishing, fine-tuning, and putting this game together, kind of, so to speak. Um, So, hey, I mean, like, they made the game. Now they're just trying to, like make it a full-fledged polished completed project so hey listen take all the time you need i have no problem with the fact that this game's taking a long time to make that's fine take all the time you need but just keep it out of the news cycle until we got something to really talk about please and thank you all right now that's going to do it for all of our mild amusements and story updates of that for the week next we're going to jump into the actual news but before we do that you know how it goes we slow down, we talk about the games we've been playing for the week, chat a little bit about that, catch up, see how we're doing. But before I can even tell you about the games I've been playing this week, which, spoiler alert, it's a right of fall, uh, I, I gotta tell you about what I've been eating, first of all. Okay, can we talk about this? Can we talk about this? Mountain Dew Summer Freeze, it is here. Our summer flavor is here, Mountain Dew Summer Freeze. You guys know I've been hard on Mountain Dew because... They shit out too many flavors. They just... they Quite honestly, that's that's my number one complaint. Surprisingly, my number one complaint is that they put out too many flavors in a year and not my number two complaint, which is that so many of their modern flavors suck. They lost the spirit of what Mountain Dew even is, and they'll just slap the Mountain Dew logo on anything that tastes vaguely like some kind of fruit or candy uh, with high fructose corn syrup and carbonation. So, uh, good news. Summer Freeze, the new summer Mountain Dew flavor for this year, is out, and... It's good. It's, it's actually pretty damn good. So it is a uh, it's going after the flavor profile those like classic. I know there's a name for them, but I don't know Johnny Pops or whatever they're called. Uh, the like red, white, and blue uh, popsicles that you, you just kind of uh, you know just kind of associate with summertime. So it's kind of going for that flavor profile in the form of a soda. And you know what? It it really works for Mountain Dew. It kind of tastes like Voltage, the blue Mountain Dew, uh, a little bit with a little bit of a little twist of something else. So. The finish definitely has that Popsicle, that summer Popsicle kind of finish flavor, and it actually works pretty well in the soda, so I'm, in, I'm into that. And uh, Voltage is one of the best Mountain Dew flavors, so using that as your basis to build upon is always a great idea, so it means you're going to get a good soda there. So I'm a fan of Mountain Dew Summer Freeze, I'm into it, the can art is fantastic simply phenomenal, and like most modern Mountain Dew flavors, it does come in both regular and zero sugar variants, so I will say uh, the zero sugar, quite good, uh, regular version, better than the zero sugar, but both are great, and as someone who doesn't really drink soda that much anymore, uh, I am going to be uh, actually probably drinking a whole lot of the zero sugar version of this throughout the summer, because I like once or twice a year kind of going on a Mountain Dew binge and having that be like my forced personality for a little bit. You know, around Halloween time when voodoo comes out, that's always my thing. You know, for the whole month of October, maybe even a little bit September, I just drink so much Mountain Dew voodoo because why not? It's cool. It's like, you know, it's like, what what do you do? It's like, oh, you know, I'm an engineer. I make engines and in, in, in ears. Uh Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a. I'm a musician. I make music, and sometimes I air to movies, and sometimes pop stars uh, perform my songs. And I make many, many dollars, and I get my my, uh, my melodies stuck in the heads of millions of people around the world. And you know, they ask me, "What do you do?" And it's like, I, I do the do. I'm Mountain Dew. I'm just I drink Mountain Dew. I hold the cans. Uh, I talk about it on my audio-only podcast where they don't see me holding the cans. It's Mountain Dew. It's my thing. It's my thing. I don't have anything going for me, so Mountain Dew is my thing. So it's good. It's fun, and I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm not. A, I'm not ashamed that I didn't I didn't pick a better career path uh, You know, when I was doing my degree in college and all that. I, 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 I think Mountain Dew was the right choice. It's good. I like Mountain Dew Summer Freeze. I still think they're going a little too hard with how many flavors they do You know, for context because Mount, Mountain Dew doing a summer flavor, that's normal. That's normal. Uh, Dew SA was the one we were getting for a while back about six or seven years ago whenever the last Zelda game came out. And it was just a, a, a tri-blend of White Out, White Mountain Dew, Code Red, the Red Mountain Dew, and Voltage, the Blue Mountain Dew, all into a can. It's called do SA, Red, White, and Blue, like USA. It was really funny. It was really campy. It was really stupid and goofy as hell. And I loved it. It was a great flavor. Um, and then they did that for a couple of years for the summertime. And then in 2019, they were like, now let's do something a little more unique. Let's create an all-new flavor. So they came out with Liberty Brew. And everyone was like, oh, no. Oh, no. They're going to fuck it up. Liberty Brew was actually fucking awesome. It was a brand new flavor. It was so, so good. They did it for twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. It was phenomenal. I drank so much of it. I always I always uh I always that that, that flavor always makes me think of moving to Florida because it came out right around the time I moved to Florida. So I remember getting my first apartment and being like, I guess uh I'm an adult now, so I probably just what, stock my fridge with Mountain Dew all the time? Like that's how being an adult works. So I have a lot of love for that flavor. And then um And then they, uh, ever since then, they've just kind of been, like, shitting the bed hard where, like, they just keep trying to throw out all these, like, random fruit flavors in the summertime where they just put the the Baja Blast name onto it. And then they make, like, mango, pineapple, peach. And it's, like, they all sound interesting, but they're never actually good. And they just keep shitting out all these flavors. We get Thunder This and Pitch Black's coming back, but not before we first get a raspberry lemonade for the third time. And it's just, it's too much. Some of the flavors are good. Some of the flavors are straight up ass. But I kind of wish Mountain Dew would just cool off you know like i like the seasonal I, I like the seasonality of mountain dew i like having your main four or five flavors that are just always on standby available throughout the year and then like for summer you have a summer flavor for for the holidays you have a holiday flavor for halloween you have a halloween flavor i like that but i don't necessarily need them to make a new flavor every three months it's it's, it's overwhelming it's stressful and while every now and then it is nice to have a new flavor slow your roll you know slow your roll I, I don't need the seven new Mountain Dews in a year. It's just too much. So nonetheless, uh, they won't stop because I keep buying them. So shout out to Mountain Dew Summer Freeze. Uh, if, if you're a fan of the Dew, I highly recommend it. It's one of the better flavors they've done in recent history. And uh, it definitely captures that summer feeling quite well. Uh, if you're nostalgic for your childhood, why don't you get yourself a can of high fructose corn syrup and enjoy some Mountain Dew Summer Freeze. Guys, that is it for what I've been eating this week. Now we will talk about what I've been playing, and that is, uh, I, I made I made no secret about it, I've been playing Redfall. I've been playing lots of Redfall when I'm gaming. Guys, I put, I'm about 12 hours into Redfall at this point, and last week we talked extensively about it, so I won't go too much into the the, the grounds we tread last week regarding all the controversy of the game. But i got to say, l- last week we talked a lot about what was going on with the controversy of Redfall. This week I want to talk about the game. I've been playing the game. I'm 12 hours in. I can speak to the game at this point. I have every intention of beating this game. In fact, once this podcast is over and uploading everything, I'm going right back to my Xbox to play more Redfall. Keep in mind, I have a weird taste in gaming. And I understand if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you might be like, Jesse, pat on you know, virtual pat on the back. You're a good guy. You mean well. Uh, I like your podcast. Good on you. But uh, I, don't, I don't trust your taste in gaming for shit. You like Sonic, you like Crossfire, and now you like Redfall. What is wrong with you, you abomination of a human being? And listen, that's fine. I honestly, no bad blood if you feel that way. But I just gotta speak honestly. I'm not trying to be a hipster and like this because other people are hating it, or hate Zelda because other people are liking it. I'm not trying to be that guy. I know it comes off that way, and I do apologize. Because... I don't I don't like that image for myself, I don't want that image for myself, but I understand I, I kind of create the image for myself by being this way. By sitting here and being the probably the one Xbox podcast you're going to listen to this week that's going to tell you, yeah, Red, Redfall's pr- pretty good. Listen, I understand a lot of the crap this game gets, and it deserves a lot of the crap it gets. But I can't lie to you and say I'm not having a good time. This game is not first-party output. The quality of this game is not first-party the overall goal and experience that this team is shooting for, you can clearly tell that some of this game's vision was a little mismanaged and the vision wasn't fully there. And a lot of the game just kind of feels like they're trying their hand at something they're not necessarily equipped to make. So I understand the complaints that, like, this isn't in Arcane's wheelhouse, they don't need to be making this game, What it doesn't feel right, they're not doing the genre justice. whatever. I understand all those criticisms, but at the end of the day, I find this game to be a lot of fun. And last week when I was talking about it, I was playing it on PC because it was a way of protesting the lack of 60 FPS on console at launch. But following my initial three or four hours with the game, having liked it on PC, I thought, you know, maybe the game is just so much worse on Xbox that that's what everyone's talking about and I'm not experiencing it. So let me let me play it on Xbox, not because I'm conceding and going to Xbox after I said I'm waiting for the 60 FPS patch. But rather, let me go play it on Xbox for a little bit so I can get a feel for just how much worse it is on Xbox compared to PC. Expecting it to be so much worse. But, guys, I played the game about half on PC, half on Xbox at this point. And the game definitely runs better on, on PC. Don't get me wrong. Frame rate's better, for sure. Um, I just... Fewer buggy glitches, which is funny in a world where PC games tend to be more broken than console games these days, but yeah, the game definitely is just a little more jank on Xbox, but not enough so that I felt like the game was unplayable on Xbox, complete garbage, this game sucks, 3 out of 10, fuck you, Arcane, that's still not how I felt, the game definitely needs more time to iron out the kinks, the bugs, the animation glitches, get that 60 FPS locked and loaded, all these things. But if we look, if if we put that aside and we just purely judge what the game is trying to be, what the gameplay loop is, the characters, the moment-to-moment gunplay, I think the game is pretty fun. I understand the criticisms that the AI is kind of dead and sometimes a little too easy. Sure, that's true. But I feel like this game is kind of just like a put on a podcast, enjoy the atmosphere, and just tick all the boxes on the map. And it's one of those games where the map is pretty underwhelming in terms of how many things there are to see and do. And so it it appeals to that part of my brain that likes the faux open world, but it's really more of a linear experience, kind of like Rise of the Tomb Raider or something like that. Where I can feel like I'm exploring and enjoying an open expansive experience, but also it's pretty linear, so I'm not getting lost. I'm not overwhelmed by the daunting 50 hour main quest line or anything like that. It's just pretty straightforward. Kind of like kinda like Far Cry, where Far Cry, you know, Far Cry is a much bigger open world and it has a lot, lot, lot more to do in it if you want. But if you play, if you beeline a Far Cry game, it is pretty linear. It is pretty hold your hand, direct your right where to go, kind of thing. And I enjoy that experience i will say one of the things i'm enjoying about redfall that is technically a downside is that there's just not a whole lot to see other than the main quest line even the side quests are basically main quests so you end up really doing everything in the game just by means of playing through the main story and i understand how that's a huge issue for a lot of people because it's billed as like a games as a service open world type whatever game and people want to have that freedom to explore and see a lot and do a lot and in all that I, I don't want that. I want the game to be like 20 hours at most and then to move on with my life. So the fact that I feel like I'm kind of getting a little bit of that open world flavor, but I'm also kind of like seeing all the game has to offer and then I'll have the ability to move on with my life when I'm done here. It's actually a bonus. It's like a plus to me. So I'm actually I'm, I actually count that as a pro while also understanding that for most people that would no doubt be a con. One objective issue with this game, and I think, you know, Kronky said it best when I was talking to him. The game basically splits into two halves. Like, you beat half the game, and then you move on to a second map, and then you don't go back to the first map. So, it's like, once you finish the first half of the game, half the game is just inaccessible for the rest of the game. And that is a huge, like, what the fuck kind of game is this? And that kind of brings me to my next thing is, I see a lot of people bitching and moaning about this game because they're like... You know, uh, Bethesda was just trying to force Arcane to do a games as a service to cash grab. Everyone wants to be like Avengers and Destiny and Division. It's like I I don't see this game as that for a second. Yes, it obviously is inspired by the popular conventions of modern gaming of games like Destiny. It has the weird mouse cursor in the menu that's broken by the way when you try to use it. And yes, it has it has the ability to, like. Pick up gear, it's like, oh, this is the same gun I had a little while ago, but now it's a level 7 instead of a level 4, and now it's got this skin on it instead of that skin on it, and I can customize the look of it, and then, oh, I got skill points, and I can uh, distribute those skill points to my character and work on my skill tree. It has those trappings, but this game, let me be clear about this. I don't know if Xbox is the one saying this, if Arcane was the one saying this, Bethesda, or if it was just the fans kind of assuming I don't know where the disconnect happens because I I, I tuned out of this game during the marketing cycle because I was excited for it and I didn't want to see any more. But this game is absolutely not a Games as a Service. It might be a game with extended content down the road. In fact, they promised to continue to work on the game and add more content to it. But it is not some multiplayer oh season one make sure you grind your grind your vampires to get your your vamp bucks so you can buy your your uh your fucking ice cube steak for for vampire slaying it's not that's not at all what this game is it is very much like far cry where it's like the game is what it is there's all that it has to offer within the the core experience the base game the the first day release and you can play it, you can experience it all, and then you can put it up on a shelf and be done with it. But at some point, the game's going to end. So I'm not really sure where this games as a service thing comes in. And like like I said last week, I played multiplayer with Kronky for a little bit, for a couple, for maybe like two hours, maybe. We played co-op, and I had fun. It was fine. Um, definitely the game feels like a single-player game where they let you play co-op, which is weird because they market it as a co-op game that can be played single-player. It definitely feels the other way around. Uh, it, it feels like playing together doesn't really offer any great benefit other than like your friend can kill all the enemies before you can, so I don't I don't think that's a really a great feature, and I don't feel like the character's special abilities between the four main characters really contributes or changes the way you play the game with friends, where it's like, okay, you are this character, so use this ability, and then I'll use this ability, and we'll attack the scenario that way, I understand that was the intention, was to be able to add more ways to approach the combat in the game, by playing with friends, with all these characters with different abilities, and skill trees, and different weapons, and all that, I get that, but the game doesn't feel like it executes on that at all. It feels like in all the ways this game tries to market itself, whether it's saying it's fr- play with friends, everyone's got different abilities, it's a it's a co-op game, it's a games as a service and all those aspects, the game fucking bombs and fails catastrophically. But if you just want to play the game as a single player, smallish linear open world experience that has some light RPG open world elements like gear, uh, gear levels on your guns and, and skill tree points. Like almost every modern RPG has these days. Um, if you play it like that, which is how I've been playing it for the majority of my 12 hours spent with it, then the game's a lot of fun. It's, it's not as good as the best far cry. It's not uh, as good as the best. I don't know, like whatever other game you want to compare it to. I keep going back to far cry but it's not like the best of this kind of genre necessarily but it's a lot of dumb fun it's it's it is a double a guilty pleasure pure joy and so as if we're looking at this game as game pass fodder just something to keep me hooked on game pass this game actually succeeds quite well because you know it's a little slow for me as an xbox gamer i don't have a big zelda game to look forward to or anything like that um And Redfall is kind of quite nicely kicking off my summer season where it's this 20-something hour experience. It's got amazing atmosphere, really cool setting, a really fun art, uh, like world art design, not character design. The characters are like shit with their fucking crazy-ass monster hands. It's so scary. Character models in this game look like absolute ass. But the world is cozy. It's like it's a permanent Halloween cozy feel. It has the thing I loved about Left 4 Dead's aesthetic and vibe and setting and everything this game has it too so that's how this game reminds me of left 4 dead and connects me to left 4 dead is through that and its gameplay is like a it's like a double a budgety kind of choppier jankier version of like a far cry game with a lot less to see and do and it's a little rough around the edges but the core is there and it's fun i think a lot of what they tried to do with this game with its co-op with its like unique character abilities and things like that, falls flat on its face. And I, I agree with the criticism that you know playing it in multiplayer is actually kind of like less fun than playing it solo. But to me, that's a greater pro, is I, I want to play the game by myself. So I don't know. I, I'm really enjoying Redfall. While recognizing it is a it's rough around the edges. This game is clearly a ball drop. I'm I'm having a good time. I like it a lot. But we also have to acknowledge, you know, I, I have to acknowledge. Overall, the game's a failure because it, it was marketed as like this wow, this huge game from, from Arcane, who are now an Xbox first party team. It's wow, we, we this proven team with a great track record that's going to just make it another amazing game and hit it out of the park. But this time, it's an Xbox exclusive, and this part, it re, this time, it represents Game Pass and Microsoft's gaming brand. And it's going to be so good for, for the gamers of the Xbox community. It absolutely failed on all those fronts, no doubt. No, no doubt. But if you don't care about defending your green team and looking good against the the, the blue guys or the, or the red guys and all you care about is just having something fun to play and getting some value out of your Game Pass subscription, I think Redfall is a pretty damn good time. And you know what I would really recommend is if you're not super enthused about what the game is today, I say wait till Halloween when this game has gotten a couple updates under its belt, hopefully 60 FPS on Xbox is out by then. Wait till Halloween time and then have this be like your big Halloween game this year. It's a blast, dude. It's it's a fucking blast. It's, it's really fun. I'm just putting on my podcast, tuning out for four or five hour play sessions, just kind of fucking vampires in the head, collecting gear, grinding, doing the missions exploring the houses all the shit Totally, there's a lot of cool atmospheric stuff there's a lot of cool lore and things to read around around the open world letters and and diary logs and all these things that you can pick up and just get a sense for who the characters were and what the world was like shortly before the vampires came and it's a really fun and interesting world to explore It's again there's not a whole lot to it it's, it's pretty barren but the gameplay loop is straightforward simplistic and simple enough that the loop is there it's like Collect some stuff, pick up some lore in the area, find a safe house, break into it, turn the power on, whatever. Get this little side quest, do the little side quest, defend the base, kill the monster, collect all the skulls of the monster, go to the house, put the skulls together, fight the bigger boss. Go back to the safe house, level up, chat with your guys, take on the next objective, get some more lore. You know, you just kind of loop this like really, really basic, really easy, straightforward, linear kind of structure. And it's just a bunch of dumb fun. It's a a really fun game. The character models are fucking horrific. They look so terrifying. I don't know why this game looks like a fucking PS2 game, banged an N64 game with HD from the Xbox 360, and the characters are terrifying. They look worse than the little fucking troll people from Harry Potter, and I'm worse off for having seen these character models. But aside from that, and aside from the god-awful odd achievement that this game offers. Yes, I'm looking at you, you 17 gamer score motherfucking achievements, effing up my gamer score, giving me odd gamer score. I'm looking at you. I hate you. You know, despite these kinds of things, Redfall is a fun time. If you're looking at it to be the the saving grace of your brand if you're if you have nothing going on in your pathetic life and all you're waiting for is for redfall to be a 10 out of 10 so you can go over to your friends who like playstation and rub it in your non-existent playstation friends and rub it in their face that fuck you god of war redfall got a 9 out of 10 redfall got a, 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 a 10 out of 10 you're pathetic you got bigger problems in the world than redfall ended up being like a 6 or a 7 you know it's maybe maybe you shouldn't be so fixated on this because maybe you got bigger problems. But if you're just looking for a good time, and yeah, it is disappointing that Redfall isn't all that we we hoped and thought it it might be, but if you're just looking for a good time, you want to kill some vampires, you want to get into the Halloween spooky season kind of mood, dude, Redfall's a blast. Have some fun. Low, like Get your expectations in check. Understand what it is. and Definitely hold your developers and publishers to a higher standard and expect better from them. But also, don't be afraid to just in- enjoy Redfall. It's a, it's a fun game. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's, that's my take on it. A couple of you guys, I asked, you know, write in. Let me know what you guys think about Redfall. A couple of you guys did write in. So, we're going to pull these from the comments at the end of the show and, pull, uh, you know, read them now because you guys, you guys have some things to say about Redfall. So, let's dig into the audience feedback on the game. Uh, Dead Captain James, the OG one and only, uh, who's recently transformed into a... A, uh, a dirt bike. He went from human form to a dirt bike. Writes in and says, "It's been a while since I was this disappointed by a game. I was really, really looking forward to Redfall. I love Arcane games. My biggest complaint is the AI. It's some of the worst AI I've ever seen in modern AAA gaming. Great podcast as always. Yeah, Dead Captain James, you absolutely first of all, thank you for you. You absolutely bring up you know something I touched on, but definitely didn't go deep on, which is the the AI in this game really is bad. And uh, video game Donkey, for those who follow him, he has a really funny video on this game, where uh, he posted a really funny video about Redfall, and uh, he kind of put it best, I, I think, where he was like, he was playing with one other friend, and there were so few enemies, and the AI was so dumb that his friend was just basically like running up, killing every enemy, and Donkey would be like. Hey, uh, you think maybe I can get the next bad guy, and then his friend would get the kill. And he'd be like, "Okay, okay, maybe, maybe the next guy, the next bad guy, you let me get the kill." And it, it is true like that. Like, I could, I can imagine if I were playing this game with three other people. Holy shit, because they they advertise it as a four-player game. If I were playing this as a four-player experience, oh my god, dude, I cannot imagine because there'd be so little combat on single-player. I feel like the combat balance is perfect because. Um, I don't. I don't need to be like horde zombie fighting like Left 4 Dead. But it is kind of like it's kind of nice. Like sometimes it will be really desolate. There won't be a lot of bad guys around, and it kind of gives you an opportunity to just explore a house or explore part of the map and take in the atmosphere and soak in some, like some notes and some items you see around the world and get like a a deeper sense of what this world is. And that's nice. And then sometimes you. Open up a door and boom, there's like a shit ton of vampires and you're overwhelmed. And I kind of like that experience. The you never know what you're going to get kind of almost like horror kind of twist on the enemy variety. Uh, but once you go beyond one player, forget about it. It's just like it's barren. It's like I can't find anyone to fight. This sucks. So I definitely understand that complaint. And then the AI is absolutely you're right. It's terrible. I'm playing on one of the easier difficulties and I really probably should have bumped it up because sometimes Sometimes I feel like I don't even have to be stealthy, I just walk behind an enemy and just blast them in the fucking face with a shotgun and they're dead in one hit. I'm like, that That wasn't even a challenge, <laughs> what, what am I doing here? So, you're, you're right, the AI is bad and hopefully that is something they focus on with future updates, but again, that is that is there's no excuse for releasing your game in that state. As someone who's just chronically shit at games, it's less of an issue for me. Because, you know, if the AI was competent, I'd probably just be really bad at the game. But no no doubt, you know, people, gamers expect compelling, smart, and uh, challenging AI that's going to you know, force you to kind of think on your toes and, and figure out unique and creative ways to approach combat rather than just uh, run up behind a guy and shoot him in the back of the head and be done with it. Mr. Mal wrote in about Redfall and says, I think it's important to remember that Redfall is Xbox's first seventy dollar $70 first party game. I think it's an easy excuse uh, for some of the downfalls when not paying $70 for the game, but I'm further convinced that $70 games are a bad and terrible idea, actually. Games still come out unfinished, not just with Redfall, but Jedi Survivor, and the game still has one of those BS deluxe editions. Yeah, and, and, and fucking EA was bragging about Jedi Survivor, uh, despite it having all the issues. Yeah, this 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 is an important point. This is absolutely an important point, because if I bought Redfall for $70, I probably would feel different about it. That's absolutely right. I didn't bring that up last week. I didn't bring that up just now, so thank you for kind of bringing us back to reality with this with this qualifier, because I I don't even... I don't know what I would do with Redfall, you know, because I'm usually not um, a pre-order guy, kind of guy. I pre-order with rare exception, you know, I'm like maybe maybe like Sonic or something like that I'll pre-order, but with Redfall, if, it, if there was no such thing as Game Pass, I probably wouldn't have pre-ordered Redfall. I would have waited for day one to see if the game was broken or not, and then probably would have bought it day one, but yeah, I mean, like, if I heard the game is just shit, it's not worth your money, I probably would not have bought this game for 70 bucks. I, I I know myself well enough to know if this game were only available as a $70 game, and on day one, the reviews were like, what a letdown, 5 out of 10, 5 out of 10. I would have been like, I'll wait for a sale. I'm not, I'm not buying this game. So it's important that you bring that up, because you're absolutely right. Um, for people who spend $70... I do feel for you. You are you have more of a, an axe to grind and more of a reason to be upset. I, I guess the thing is, it's like, I, I'm sitting here wondering, who's buying these games? Who the hell is out there? You know, this is an Xbox exclusive. It's only on PC and Xbox. Who the hell is going out there like, yeah, I could subscribe to Game Pass and pay, play this game for 15 bucks for the month and then cancel my subscription. Or I could give them $70 and just play the game forever. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I guess there are some people who want to do that. And I, I can't respect that, but, like, I don't know, man. I just always think, like, why would you not be playing this on Game Pass? But uh, you're absolutely right. It, it, inexcusable for 70 bucks. And And I feel like to go any further on your comment would kind of touch on part of our Phil Spencer interview later on, so I'll kind of leave it at that. But no doubt we will get back to this idea of How could Xbox let this happen um, once we get to that interview? And then our final comment on Redfall comes from Kronky, who says, Redfall is very fun. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. I very much enjoy the world, environment, and exploration. Yes, it lacks polish, but to be honest, it's arcane. If it came out completely polished and perfect, no one would have played it regardless. Uh, You're half right. I think this game would have gotten a lot of attention because it has more mainstream appeal with what it's trying to market itself as and with the nature of it being... An Xbox first party game, a Game Pass title, all these things, it would have garnered some more attention. But you are you are right that generally, you know, it's arcane. It's gonna review our reviews and then no one's gonna give a shit about it. So um but yeah, I mean I at the end of the day, I, there's something probably fundamentally broken with both of us, but I like Redfall. I think it's a good game. I don't think it's a great game. I definitely think it has a lot a long road to go before it's a game I would I would recommend to people, but uh it like like a game where i'd be like you gotta play redfall but as it stands right now it is a game that i think if you have game pass and you're just looking for some dumb fun and you are a fan of double a and games with a little bit of jank that can be rough around the edges you're someone like me who can enjoy a crossfire x from time to time and you don't need every fucking game to be god of war level polish you know we should expect games to be highly polished but you know, I, I understand the reality of the situation that games don't always come out that way. And I, I still find a lot of enjoyment in sometimes jank or broken games. And uh, this is just one of those games. I recognize it is not technically great, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. I, right now, if I had to score it, if I had to IGN it, I'd probably give it like a 7 out of 10. It's real rough around the edges. Definitely not for everyone. Wouldn't recommend it to many people. But for me, it's a pretty fun time. I'm glad you think so too, Kronky. Alright, that's it for all our comments or not our comments, but all of our uh what I've been what I've been playing, what we've been eating, your guys' thoughts on Redfall. I appreciate the write-ins. We'll get into more comments towards the end of the show. But uh with that, guys, let's take a quick break and then jump into this Phil Spencer interview with Kinda Funny. This big news topic we have to go over this week. Alright, so let's jump into this crazy Phil Spencer news. I really wish that this uh I was able to do the podcast right after this story came out, because last week I was I was really like gnawing at this a whole lot. It was really Kind of the most provoked and interested and engaged I've been with something Xbox-related in, in a while in terms of just, like, kind of some industry news. But, man, this Phil Spencer situation is kind of crazy. So, to catch you up to speed, if, if you're living under a rock you haven't heard. So, Phil Spencer, the CEO of gaming himself, came on to Kind of Funny last week. Kind of Funny for those who don't know. It's, like, a big YouTube internet, like, know, what do you call it, like a media brand company. They do podcasts, YouTube videos, all that stuff. So I used to follow those guys religiously back in their early founding days when it was just like Colin Moriarty, Greg Miller and Nick Scarpino and stuff in, in their spare bedroom in San Francisco, just like podcasting about video games and stuff. It was, it was the best. I actually saw them live once back in Atlanta in the early days, ran into them. I met Colin Moriarty and then I told him I'm sorry to bother him. And then I walked away and it was awkward, but it was awesome. OK, uh, but no, all joking aside. So, for those who don't know, kind of funny. They they've since grown on, gone on to grow into something much much bigger. I don't I don't really follow them anymore. Um, just just not my thing anymore. But they are they're big. They're like some whole like media influencer brand about gaming. I I don't really know what it is. I don't recognize anyone who works there anymore. They got like a million people on staff. They got a beautiful studio and they got a bunch of different podcasts that weren't around back when I used to listen to. So I, I don't really know how else to explain. Kind of funny these days, but. They they used to be a lot more of like a grassroots like just dudes who worked in, who used to work at IGN talking about video games with kind of like their insider knowledge and it was it was kind of real but I know these days it's a lot of like paid partnerships and sponsorships with publishers and developers so uh, I mean this is no disrespect to the guys that kind of funny but it is it is definitely one of those brands where it's like you wanna you wanna maybe categorize them in that in that field of like um, you know in the, they're uh they're p they're pr they're not news you know like I-, I feel like we don't really there's not a whole lot of news left in the world everything's pr like all your major news networks like fox and cnn th- those aren't news outlets they're they're pr outlets they get they get news from the white house and from their their corporate donors and stuff who tell them what they want to say and then they go on on the news and tell you it so that you have the pr talk and that's kind of like what a brand like this is it's it's fine if you know what it is like there's nothing again nothing against it but it's not It's not news. Like, generally, if they have an interview with someone like a Phil Spencer or if they're, like, covering a game, it's generally, like, you know, they're working with the publisher. They got paid to cover it. And so you can expect, like, interviews like this with Phil Spencer are going to be a lot of softballs, a lot of, like, it's more promotional material than it is actual, like, an interview to uncover some kind of legitimate news. So... I saw Phil Spencer – the reason I bring all this up is just to say when I saw that Phil Spencer was on Kind of Funny, I was like, okay, I guess they have an Xbox podcast called the X-Cast. I knew of that. I don't – I'm not familiar with the host, but I knew they had an Xbox podcast. And I was like, okay, so Phil Spencer was on their Xbox podcast. It's probably, you know, whatever. It's probably, like, some promotional interview for Redfall or whatever. And then I saw that it was, like – apparently it was, like, a tell-all. Like, apparently it was, like, really interesting – stuff in this interview i was starting to see a lot of people a lot of chatter about it just a few hours after it happened so i was like okay let me see what the fuck's going on here so i i for the first time in like five six years i don't know how long it's been since like 2018 or 2017 for the first time in a long time i went online i was like okay let's see what the fuck kind of funny he's doing kind of funny phil spencer and i watched this whole 40 minute interview and i gotta say i you could tell this was definitely to some extent pre-rehearsed, it was pre-planned, it was very amicable like exchange of like hey we're here to talk about, you know, Xbox and to prop you up and have this be like a PR platform for you, but it ended up just kind of the way things went with Redfall coming out being a disaster and then immediately this interview was scheduled right after that all happened. It kind of ended up being a little bit of like a legitimate interview to some extent. Uh you know, no disrespect, again, I don't I don't I don't know the host of the Xbox X podcast or, or the the kind of funny X cast. I'm I'm not familiar with the host. I don't mean any you know shade to them, but again, they're 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 well-trained personalities doing, like, PR talk. They're here to, like, be like, Phil Spencer, you're such a cool guy. Uh, I love when you fly us out to L.A. to test out games and, and see shit. Like, what can you tell us about about awesome new games you're working on? You're like, I expect something like that. But they actually had a pretty damn cool interview, good interview with Phil Spencer. They asked him some questions I wasn't expecting to hear them ask. Uh, they pressed a little more than I thought they would press. And Phil Spencer, man, you can... <laughs> You almost feel bad for the guy because he's – you can tell he's hes in a headspace. Like when he does this interview, he's definitely in some kind of headspace where he's not feeling 100% himself, and he's just being a little more candid than you'd expect someone in such a high-ranking position to be. And so I really thought this was – it ended up just kind of being one of those interviews where it's like this is, this is huge information. This is a huge interview. Uh, this is a great get for kind of funny. <laughs> you know, like this is obviously going to draw a lot of attention and traffic to them. So great job on them for – being able to get this interview and and, and make of it what they were able to make of it. So, um, you know, still like if you go back and watch and I highly recommend you watch just as a heads up, like, listen, they did the interview. They put, they put the work together to make this all happen. I highly recommend you go and watch the interview. It's worth watching. All 40 minutes of it are pretty, pretty entertaining. So uh, I recommend you go watch the kind of funny X cast interview with Phil Spencer from last week. But what we're going to do is basically break down some of the key moments, go through a lot of the quotes from Phil Spencer and talk about what we learned from Phil Spencer, just kind of, you know, Phil Spencer's a pretty PR trained guy. Generally, you know, I always make the joke on the podcast, and don't get me wrong, I like Phil Spencer. Right, I think he's a likable guy. I think for as he's as genuine as as someone in his position can be, you know, someone who gets paid a fucking ridiculous executive salary and works that high up the ranks of Microsoft, one of the biggest powers in the entire 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 globe. You know, it's he, he's he seems like a pretty genuine guy, and I, and I trust. I trust that from who he was, from his foundation and how he came up the ranks through in Mi- within Microsoft and and through Xbox. I trust that he is a well-intended gamer who is who genuinely cares about the developers and the brand and trying to deliver. Especially, I don't really give so much shit about how he you know his his desire to give to the the fans because I don't I think that's weird to kind of expect your corporate overlords to to serve you. But I I do believe a lot of what he says about like how, you know, I I worked directly with developers. I used to be more in the trenches and I, I want to be a leader who represents creatives and gives creatives, Free, you know, energy and rope and creative freedom to do what they want to do, sometimes to a detrimental uh, state, which I think we'll get into with this this talk. But generally, I like Phil Spencer quite a bit. But generally, he's also, you know, he's he's a high paid executive. He's a he's he's a PR talk box. He can't normally be a human being uh to to a large extent that's why i'm always making the jokes on the podcast i'm like you know phil spencer he always he always goes well when i when i think about and that's always how people like respond to questions when they're pr trained it's like when i when i think about redfall and the position of our gamers and game pass and the value that we offer the players and the kinds of content that we want to drive and the initiatives we're trying to bring forward in the ecosystem you know like that's the kind of response you expect to hear from a phil spencer type because you know no offense to the guy he's just doing his job he's 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 got to speak within the bounds he's allowed to speak within he represents a big brand a big company he's got to do his job right that's what that's what he's paid to do right so i i get that but this was not that phil spencer you know we we saw phil spencer there were multiple moments in this in this interview where he said some things where i was like damn dude you just know he's going to get a call after this after this interview where, like, he's going to get coached, he's going to get talked to, there's going to be some, like, damage control, there's going to be some, like, people at Microsoft are going to be trying to, like patch relationship you call in various news outlets who are covering it trying to be like let us clarify what phil spencer meant when he said dot 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 there are multiple like instances in this interview where I, he said something where i'm just like holy shit i cannot believe phil spencer said you know conversely i also think there's some really corporate pr talk coming from both ends in this interview but nonetheless it is definitely one of the most engaging and um uh, and just and just full of you know full of information kind of uh interviews we've gotten in a long time especially you know considering games aren't necessarily bright you know important life altering news it's not it's not it's not like a it's not like a medium or an entertainment medium or sorry it's not like a, a medium at all where you know what's going on with video games is, is particularly you know detrimental or, or indicative of our overall quality of life and the way the world is going so it's not it's not usually that important but this was a God, this is a damn good interview, <laughs> uh, for for you know, considering what it what what it could have been. Um, anyway, I'm making no sense, so let's get into this. So I broke, I basically broke it down. I copied some some articles from VGC where they pull out lots and lots of quotes, and then I rewatched. So I watched this interview three times to be to be completely frank with you guys. So last night preparing for the show. I watched it for the third time. Uh, I pulled out a lot of bullet points, things I want to make sure we covered. And then I pulled all these quotes that VGC had transcribed. So we got a lot of stuff we can, we can pour through the first one in particular is going to be especially long, uh, with the quotes that I have here, but let's just kind of go in and talk about this. And again, I highly recommend you do watch this, uh, cause it's quite entertaining and it's, it's really informative, but, uh, yeah. So starting on the topic of Redfall, um, so Phil Spencer talks about the creative vision of the game. They, they ask him basically, um, you know, when you see a game like Redfall come out and it gets the reviews it gets, what are you, what are you thinking? When, when it's like, you know, people are saying this game isn't finished. How could Microsoft release it in this state? And Phil Spencer's response is basically like, hey, when we think about games, it's not just like is the game fully polished and ready to go out? It's about, it's more about like, did the creative team accomplish their goal? When a developer sets out to create a game, there's a goal they have in mind, like a, like a mission they're trying to accomplish like, um, you know, something they're trying to make. And it's not necessarily a score they're going off of. It's more of like, was the mission accomplished? She said in the case of Redfall, that it was like the team just didn't meet their creative vision and that delaying the game wouldn't have solved it. You know, delaying the game could have solved some technical performance issues, no doubt, but, um, delaying the game wouldn't have solved the fact that you know arcane set out to create something they had a creative goal a vision for the game in mind and after so many years of development what they created did not accomplish their goal really the only you know what you can kind of glean from that is like the game the game in actuality didn't end up being what they thought it would be from the conceptual stage and so yeah you could have made the game run buttery smooth perfect animations beautiful graphics all the rest but at the end of the day, the game, the core gameplay loop is gonna be what the game is. And he's saying from that perspective, the team just didn't meet their their goal, their vision. To this, I somewhat call BS because I, you know, I think you can delay a game to make it to you know to accomplish its goal. Now it might be uh it it may be one of those things we had to kind of weigh the options to say, do we just cancel this game or do we continue to delay it? Because it might take such a long delay that you have to gut out what you have built of the game and kind of basically rebuild the ship, so to speak, as you're going, which in that case, I understand it kind of begs a different question of like, should this game be canceled? Should this game even continue to be funded? Whatever. But I, I, I kind of push back on Phil Spencer a little bit on this and that I, I just think that, you know, if the creative vision isn't coming together. It's like maybe you can go back to the drawing board and, and really rework from a base level what the game is and, and get it to where you want it to be. But then again, I, I've never made a game. I'm not a creative in that in that way. And so I don't I don't know. But that was kind of his first thing is that yeah, the game is rough around the edges and I understand that. But the bigger issue with Redfall is that the game did not end, end up being what Arcane had envisioned it to be back when they first came up with the very like conceit of the game, the concept of what it what this game would be. He also mentioned that, well, kind of funny, the guys, the hosts of the show, um, mentioned they're like, well, you know, normally these kinds of games, you do mock reviews. How did that go? Like, what did you guys expect? Because generally, you know, a little. In, you know, behind the scenes, how, how it works when games are coming out, especially with big publishers behind them, is a game will be mock reviewed, which is basically, you know, Activision's making a game and they go, OK, Diablo 4, we want to know how the game's going to review. So a few months before the game comes out, they hire people who are sometimes industry uh, like like games industry veterans or, or just like these like blacklist or not blacklist, but like these unknown like for hire Kind of uh, people who are really, really credited within this like tight ecosystem that maybe the general public isn't super familiar with, who are basically these like professional review game critics, but their job is to review games that aren't out yet and kind of give publishers an idea like, hey, I played your game, I reviewed your game, this is how I would score it, this is what I would say about your game, and that way the publisher knows going into it like, hey, we had these mock reviews from these random, you know, these various people. And this is what we came back with: is the game is a is a is a seven out of ten. So they think going into it, okay. When we get this game over to GameSpot and IGN and Kotaku and VGC and all these outlets, we're expecting them to score the game around a seven out of ten range. It helps the publisher get an idea of what they're r- walking into for marketing purposes and damage control purposes and how to steer the ship from there. It's a really really common practice. And basically everyone in the industry does it. And basically, so kind of funny. Asked like, well, surely you mock reviewed this game. What what? How did you not? know that it was going to be kind of a catastrophe when it launched. And what Phil Spencer said was that their mock reviews came back with double-digit higher reviews, meaning that, you know, the game's sitting at, like, what, like a 63 on Metacritic, saying that the game, the game apparently mock-reviewed somewhere at least in the 7 range, in the 70s range, um, for double digits, he said. So if it, if it got a 63 on Metacritic, that means it was mock-reviewing at at least, like a, a, like, a low to mid 7 out of 10. So, that's hard to believe to some extent because usually mock reviews are not that far off from you know from what they say you know not that I would know that just you know from from consuming so much games industry podcasts and YouTube and shit like that it's apparently not very common for a mock review to be that far off base especially because you get multiple mock reviews from many sources and so you know from multiple people I have a very very different take from what all the main outlets thought usually a little unheard of so you, you almost wonder if Phil Spencer is even being sincere when he says that, although I don't want to accuse the man of lying when I, I don't know. It's just conjecture at that point. So it's not worth going down that rabbit hole. It's just it's just surprising to see that they Microsoft was prepared for the game to at least be somewhere in the 7 range on Metacritic, which is just not even close to where it ended up. So to get into some of these quotes here, um, yeah, so we're looking at these VGC quotes. And this is verbatim what Phil Spencer says. He goes, quote, There's nothing that's more difficult for me, nothing more disappointing for the Xbox, or sorry, there's nothing more difficult for me than disappointing the Xbox community. I've been a part of it for a long time. I obviously work on Xbox. I'm head of the business. I had a lot of friends and get a lot of feedback. And it's just kind of hard to watch the community lose confidence, be disappointed. I'm disappointed. I'm upset with myself. He added, we do mock review games for every game that we launch, and this is double digits lower than what we thought it would be. That's one of the most disappointing things. We never strive to launch a game that we thought was going to review in the low 60s. It's not part of our goals. Okay, so a little highlight that they do not intend to launch games that review in the low 60s. It's not part of their goal, which means clearly they care about hitting some kind of... Metacritic Metacritic stride some kind of quality bar that is, you know, above average, because I know people like to act like the only scores that exist are tens and zeros, but yes, six out of ten means a game is, you know, not terrible, not bad, but, you know, it's nothing particularly great. It's kind of, it's kind of whatever, maybe mediocre, maybe solid, maybe, maybe it's got some good stuff in it, but it's not necessarily great. Continuing on, he says, if you look at our review scores over the past year, and this is not a defense at all, I think teams have done a much better job at upping the quality level of their games that they uh, that Xbox has shipped and the game was significantly lower than their internal met, uh, metrics compared to what actually reviewed but that's not on anybody but us, we have to own that. Spencer was then asked generally about how he decide how he uh, how it's decided whether a game should be delayed, and the exec said that Xbox wouldn't push a project back if it didn't believe that it could realize its creative vision as a result of the delay. He says, "quote There's a quality issue. We're working on those, but fundamentally, it's a uh, the piece of feedback I get from Redfall reviews is that the game isn't realizing its creative vision for its players. That it doesn't feel like, hey, just delay it. It feels like the game had." Uh, had a goal to do and when more players are actually playing it they're not feeling that goal Uh, when a game needs to be delayed like what we did with starfield halo redfall uh, because the production timeline is saying we have this vision and our product timeline doesn't get us to the completion of the vision we do delay games the exec went on to mention to play down a number of technical issues in redfall uh, instead claiming that the game's poor reception was mostly because the development team didn't hit its goals and this is one thing i do slightly take umbrage with because from what I'm seeing on Twitter, you know, it's it's hard. The internet at large, but Twitter's where I get a lot of reactionary feedback. It's kind of the, the fun of Twitter, it's why you go on it, right? It seems like it's a lot of that like really irrational, like, ah the frame rate is bad and the animations are bad and the graphics are kind of shit. Therefore the game is garbage. Redfall sucks. Redfalls is a zero out of ten because the animations are bad, it's glitchy, and it's buggy. Zero out of ten. And, you know, the converse is the Xbox fans who are like, you guys don't get it. The game's actually really good. Uh, Love Redfall. You know, they're just not willing to say anything bad about it. And then, you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, that in between where we can admit like, hey, this game definitely needed a pretty good delay uh, because you can tell there's some good here. And it's just it's rough around the edges. And so I I fundamentally disagree with Phil Spencer on this because I I do feel like he's shying away from the reality of the situation, which is that Redfall would have been much better had it gotten a six-month or 12-month delay. I understand a lot of people feel like that's not the case. People probably agree with Phil Spencer that the game just didn't meet its vision. I disagree. I think you delay this game for 10 months, fix the AI, um, work on the just general bugginess and animation, smoothing out the game, make it run well per like a well-oiled machine. Sure, at the end of the day, you still run into this issue of, you know, the this doesn't really feel like there's like cohesive when you got all the players in conjunction you know on a three four player world or something like that um maybe you still run into that issue right but you can fix the issue where sometimes there's not enough enemies sometimes there's uh sometimes uh the 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 enemy ai is just dog shit you can fix that you can fix the terrible hands that look like monster hands on all the humans you can fix the weird animations where the reloads look funny or people are just floating or, or skipping or glitching out you can fix that you can make the game run at 60 FPS on Xbox Series X. That's all a very you can do all those things. I promise you the game would have reviewed better. In fact, I'm I feel very confident that if this game was well polished, it would be somewhere in the sevens, you know? Because at its core, I agree. The game isn't anything that's like groundbreaking or anything, but it's also not bad. The performance issues of this game absolutely cloud the judgment of of the of, of the players, no doubt. So I, I just fundamentally disagree with um with Phil Spencer on this kind of shying away from the quality of the game and all that and kind of blaming it on the team not meeting their vision and if I'm arcane you know maybe I'm a little upset about this because I feel like hey man we needed more time to make this game great and you're kind of blaming it on our vision of the game and uh, I don't know and maybe he's right maybe he's speaking on behalf of the team and this is what the team has expressed to him and that's what he's and that's what he's here to say but I just I don't know Someone someone's put 12 hours into the game so far I feel like the big problem this game has is is all the rough around the edges stuff, the AI, the bugs, the 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 frame rate, and things like that. I don't I don't think the issue is necessarily as much that the game is just not meeting its creative vision. I think it's nothing groundbreaking, but it doesn't have to be. It's a pretty fun game. Anyway, he goes on to say, you know, how he loves Arcane Austin, he defends their track record, and he'd bet on them again, and that you know going forward, all that. So he kind of he kind of basically just defends the whole like the the game the game's creative vision was the issue more so than it was the bugs. And then um, also mentions that uh, Microsoft, that Xbox and Bethesda will continue to support um, Redfall, like they've supported Sea of Thieves and in, in games like that. So it's a little concerning because I I almost don't know that this game can make a comeback after the kind of thud it's had. But we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe it's a No Man's Sky situation. I don't I don't know. Uh, but I mean I guess that's where the games as a service aspect comes. So far I don't really know how you really support this game other than just doing like DLC, but whatever. But uh Mr. Malg to come back to your comment earlier, here's Phil Spencer speaking on the game, the game's price and all that, where he says, quote, I also know that these games are seventy dollars and I'm and I'm going to take full responsibility for launching a game that needs to be great. We let a lot of people down this week in the launch of the game, but it, we but we will continue to strive on. You have to. That's what creativity is about. So yeah, he basically acknowledges it and then says, sorry, we gotta be better. So <laughs> Later in the interview, Spencer was asked to reflect on the lessons Xbox could take away from Redfall's launch state. Uh, Spencer said that he believes the platform holder should have done more early in the games of development in terms of providing assistance to Arcane and staying expectations. So this is where we get into the first bit of truly juicy information. So Spencer says, quote, when we acquire studios, there are games that are in development and there are things that are either really early in development or not even uh, conceived yet. I think we need to improve in engaging with, uh, with games that are midway through production when they become part of Xbox. It's a really important quote. I think we need to improve on engaging with games that are midway through production when they become part of Xbox. I do think that there's a different expectation for a game when a team, uh, for a team when you've been third party and then all of a sudden you become first party. There's a different expectation in terms of how you're going to perform on our consoles. I think there's a different uh, competitive set of uh, when people look at that and say, hey, I want this game to feel as competitive as the other games on the other console. And we didn't do a good job of engaging Arcane Austin to really help them understand what it meant to be part of Xbox first party and use some of our Internal resources to help move along the journey even faster. We left them to work on the game. They're very talented. I love the team, and I still do, and I will totally bet on them uh, to do another great game. But when Xbox head studio Matt Booty and ZeniMax president Jamie Le- uh, leader sit down, I think we can engage earlier in our different studios, and I do think that there's a difference when it comes t- uh, when. And I think there's a difference when we come in and the creative is already set on the game. And that's and that's not washing our hands. Every game we ship from our teams is an Xbox game, so we take full responsibility for it. Spencer said he believes the platform holder did a great job with Bethesda's other 2023 release, the sci-fi RPG Starfield, in terms of assisting development, because that game was early in production. So before we even get into that, actually, I want to stop for a second and, and address this, because this is, this is the huge thing where... You're watching the interview and you're hearing Phil Spencer say these things. It's like, yes, 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 Phil Spencer, that, yes, thank you, you get it. But then you stop and you think about it for a minute long. You're like, wait a minute, you're what ranked position in this company and you make how much money? And you're just now saying this? There is no way you can't. I I don't mean to be so cruel about it. You know, like, again, I like Phil Spencer. I feel, I feel bad that he's the punching bag of the industry uh, right now, not because, you know, Games are so important, but because he's a human being and I don't want humans to be fucking cyberbullied to hell and back because a video game didn't end up being great. You know, that's just silly. So I, I feel bad for the guy. I feel like he's he's kind of down right now and I don't mean to kick him while, he, while he's in such a state. But stop for a fucking minute. You're the motherfucking CEO of gaming. You're the head of Xbox. And going back to this quote, you just addressed something that everyone could. I promise you I've said this at, on this podcast at some point in time back during the acquisition stage of Bethesda. Yes, absolutely, dude. When when you acquire Bethesda, Bethesda becomes part of Xbox. It's why it's a little weird when you announce these summer showcases and it's like the Xbox and Bethesda summer showcase. Listen, I understand Bethesda is a strong brand name. It's a strong company name. You own that. Maybe you don't want to just wash it away, but all of this is part of Xbox now. And I, Xbox has grown too big for its own bridges, I think, in a lot of ways. Like, they can barely manage the studios they currently have. How are they going to manage all these other teams they're acquiring? So, I understand the importance of maybe keeping ZeniMax around in Bethesda Bethesda and ZeniMax and all that so that you can continue to have that structure in place where the Bethesda side, the ZeniMax side, kind of handles all those studios. But, uh, because, I mean, you know, Matt Booty can't just... Handle everything on his own, you know. Phil Spencer, and Matt Booty can't can't run the entire fucking gamut, especially if they get Activision and the seven hundred Call of Duty developers, in, you know, in their in their family as well. It's just it's just too much. So maybe you do need to keep those umbrellas, like the Activision division, the the Zenimax division, the Xbox Game Studios division. So I kind of get it from that perspective. But but the second you bought Bethesda, the world understood that that meant. Redfall is now an Xbox game. Starfield is now an Xbox game. If Starfield is good, it means Xbox did good. If Starfield is bad, it means Xbox did bad. It doesn't matter if they were 12% through the development process when Xbox bought them or 98% of the way through the development process when Xbox bought them. At the end of the day, people are going to look at it and say, that's an Xbox game. Look at Look at Psychonauts 2. That game came out in 2021. It was good. Probably 80% done or something like that when Xbox bought bought Double Fine, the developer. And we, we know how the story goes. You know, Tim Schafer and the Double Fine team said that. Basically, Xbox threw a bunch of money and said, take your time. And they said, well, with this extra funding, we can make the game even more robust than it initially was. There's no denying that what we got with Psychonauts 2, which is a great game, by the way, was a great game because Double Fine did a really good job making that really great game on their own. And the thing that helped them from Xbox was Xbox said, here's even more money and even more time. Go do what you got to do. And that's why Psychonauts 2 is a great game. But for better or for worse, Psychonauts 2 is now associated as an Xbox game because it came out at a time where Double Fine was owned by Microsoft. And Double Fine's an Xbox uh, Game Studios first party team, right? Even though the game was majority made outside of Xbox's leadership, without their ownership even though the game was crowdfunded even though the game is on playstation it's still going to get associated as an xbox game for better and for worse and if you don't know that as xbox you're fucking crazy man and so yeah in the case of psychonauts 2 it worked out because the team knew what they were doing and they made a great game so nobody questions it right but in the case of redfall the team didn't make a great game and maybe they needed a little bit more of a guiding hand and as xbox you have no excuse you get zero excuse for not knowing that this is our game. This game is a reflection. You know, Redfall is a reflection of Xbox. It's a reflection of Game Pass. The same way Halo and Forza and Gears of War affect what people think of our brand, Redfall does the same thing. It doesn't matter if we bought Bethesda 20 years ago or five minutes ago. It's like it's part of our brand. So for them to come out and be like, we acknowledge that that's an important part. But like, motherfucker, you bought, you bought Bethesda a couple years ago. So you should have had the day day one when that thing was done. You should have had people from Xbox, producers from other from other teams and such coming over to Arcane and be like, "What are you guys working on?" Okay, Arcane's got Redfall, Bethesda Game Studios got Starfield. Okay, uh, Machine Games working on Indiana Jones project, and you have your professionals and your experts come in. And I get it; you don't want to micromanage, you don't want to destroy the culture. I think it's admirable and cool that Microsoft's approach is kind of like, "Yeah, we want we want ZeniMax to continue to keep their." their their culture and their identity and we want you know these teams to continue to like be able to do what they want to do without feeling like xbox bought them and then became a dictator i get it they got burned with bungie back in the day they don't want to be that xbox but it's a balancing act man you got to be a little of column a a little column b you you can't just be all hands off laissez-faire you guys here's a bunch of money and time go make a game have a great time kids and be all hands off and then be shocked when they come back with bullshit That's why Halo Infinite was fucked, is because you guys didn't have the appropriate people in charge making sure that game was done right, and you were hiring little contract workers and poorly managing the production timeline, and we ended up getting a beautiful mess of a Halo game. And so the same thing kind of happened here, right? I feel like Microsoft bought Bethesda long ago enough to where there's no excuse for why they didn't bring their their producers, their overseers, their... uh, Time, project management, whatever. Guys, over to the to to the guys at Arcane to look at it to play the game every month or every couple months and be like, let me see your current build of the game. How's the game coming along? Okay, guys, the AI sucks. Okay, guys, there are not enough enemies to fight. Okay, how is this a multiplayer game when there's not enough enemies to fight, guys? Why are the monsters' hands so big, guys? Why is there odd gamer score in this game? So where where were your guys to do that? You're Microsoft. You have unlimited resources. What is the excuse? The brand is so important, you can only fuck it up for so long and, so, and damage it so many times. It really does matter. The reason people laugh at Xbox and they don't subscribe to Game Pass or buy an Xbox or whatever is because shit like this happens way too often. What is the excuse, man? Halo is like your cannot fuck up, cream of the crop, top franchise. The thing that made you what you are today and gave you a reason to exist. How do you fuck that up? Same thing with Redfall. It does. You don't get the convenient excuse that like, oh, maybe we should have been a little more hands on and putting some of our talent in charge of like kind of guiding the ship a little bit. It's like, no shit, dude. I'm not. I'm not saying that Xbox needs to go install some fucking Nazis in all these studios they acquired to be like, no, it must have Master Chief in it and it must ah, it must do this and that. Like, no, of course. You know, let the creatives be the creatives. I like that. That is the kind of app the the kind of uh the kind of culture they want to instill at their studios. But also it's like, you got to ask yourself, what does it mean to be a first party Xbox game? And right now I don't understand what the fuck it means for half these studios because I like Redfall. I like it more than most people do. There's nothing about Redfall that feels like an Xbox game. When you boot up the game, it doesn't even say Xbox anywhere on the screen. It has the most generic third-party boot-up screen. You know, like when you're playing a first-party game, a true premium first-party game, like Halo or like Last of Us on PlayStation or something. When you boot up the game, it's like the developer's name, the publisher's name, beautiful AAA Highly polished, beautiful UI start screen, right? It's like 343, Microsoft Game Studios, Halo Infinite, press start. This game, it feels so much like Xbox had nothing to do with it. Like it was just the most third party licensed property thing ever to be put on Xbox. Like it could have been put on Switch, GBA, Nokia phones, and Xbox all at the same time. This game, you boot it up, and it's just like, here are all the engines we use, here are all the licenses we use, here are the copyright claims, here's or the copyright uh, notices. Here's this developer, here's this support developer, here's Bethesda. No Xbox to be found. Here's a really janky start screen menu. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, you, these things are all, it seems so small, but these things all add up, you know? This is a little example of what I'm talking about. Just a stupid, such a minuscule example, but it matters because. When you boot up a game like Forza Horizon 5 or Gears 5, it has that premium feel from the second you hit go when it's doing the splash screens with the developer name and everything on it. Where it's like, this is a AAA game. They don't need to show the licenses of the engines of this because it's a first party game. It's all published by the guy that makes the console. You know, it's it's all the same family. And it has that premium feel. Redfall doesn't have that. Redfall's like, here's the fucking logo for the Havoc Engine, and here's the fucking copyright 2021 when we had trademarked this name, and here's here's the fucking this logo and that logo, and there's nowhere that says Xbox anywhere on this. And it's like I'm just supposed to accept this as first party, and like your initial I- your your initial impression is just like here's literally any other game, but I guess it's owned by Xbox. And I know you know you can make fun of me for like getting on 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 Redfall for something as silly as just like the startup splash screens and stuff but all that shit matters like this is your game this is a direct reflection of Xbox's first party output and right now Xbox's first party output looks like they got some good smaller games that really appeal to almost nobody like Pentiment um they botched Halo Forza was good but you know racing's niche um they fucked up Redfall uh they had zero games to talk about last year uh hope Redfall's good <laughs> right like it's it's not a good look and so I appreciate the candor in, in, in addressing this, but at the same time, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is my line. What Phil Spencer's saying here about being more hands-on from the moment they acquire these studios and like their games and these teams being a reflection of Xbox. That's my line as the stupid no-name podcast commentator sitting in his boxers bitching and moaning about the thing Phil Spencer said on kinda funny last week. That's my job. Your job was to instill this mentality three years ago or two years ago, or whenever the fuck you bought Bethesda. So why the hell, why are you reading my mind after the fact? This makes no sense. Everything here is wrong. So again, it's like, I I love and appreciate the candor, but like, what the fuck kind of quote is that? It's crazy that he's, he's talking like that. This is what I'm talking about like you got you got to watch this interview it's fucking nuts but yeah he's like talking about like you know we we can get guys from this team to help with this you know maybe the guys from the coalition that guy experienced with Unreal Engine so they could help with engine work it's like yeah absolutely man that's exactly what you should have been doing <laughs> so they they promise better things going forward and they promise that there is a lot more of that kind of hands-on um, more curated approach with Starfield, presumably because it's a much more important game. It's a much bigger game, but also because it was a little earlier in its development cycle when Xbox acquired Bethesda. And so there's a little more they could have done from kind of ground zero, so to speak. But again, it's all it's all talk until we see the actual final, final product, so... I just, I just think that's kind of crazy, <laughs> but th- that's the first part. Let's talk about Redfall. Let's talk about this other topic I, I titled Delivery of Titles Managing of Teams, uh, where I wrote some other notes kind of tying to what we just talked about a little bit, where uh, Phil Spencer goes on talking about how we have to be transparent about uh, what we are showing, mentioning Redfall previews on PC. So uh, anyway, so he kind of alludes to like, hey, we did that media preview about a month ago where we invited some youtubers and ign and people like that out to come and play redfall for a couple hours and they were all playing on pc builds running at 60 fps and so that's why some people came back saying i don't know this game doesn't seem too great and some people like hey the game seems like it's probably pretty good and uh He's like, yeah, we need to be more transparent about that, like letting them know at that point in time. Because we knew the game was running at 30 FPS on Xbox. We didn't say anything. None of these people asked us. And then they come back and tell the story to all their fans. Like, hey, viewers, listeners, readers, whatever. um, Here's what I played of Redfall. Here's why it's promising. But they're withholding this information that Microsoft knows about. So he talked a little bit more about being transparent about that. Again, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, man. Uh, don't act like you're just now learning that lesson you should have always known that but okay and then uh he goes on and says quote when you buy uh when you buy a team of people view them as first party Uh, this should have gone earlier but i'm going to read it here because i have it written anyway when you buy a team people view it as first party and we need to improve on engaging uh, production um when whether they're midway through production uh and they become part of xbox or they're at the end we didn't do a good job of engaging with arcane austin and let them and left them to go work on a team. So, I mean, yeah, you just you, you just can't have the resources Xbox has, that Microsoft has, and be as big as they are, and then just have this excuse. Like, you, you got to go get the right people to kind of lead these projects. Be checking on these teams regularly, playing the games as they're progressing along development, and saying here's what's working, here's what's not working, here's what we need to focus our efforts on, because this is the same issue we ran into with Halo, it's just like, where is the proper management of these studios and of these project timelines, it's just so out of whack, who is in charge of this shit, who is in charge, (laughs) I I just don't get it, so, for them to act like this is an epiphany now, when it's something that we've all been talking about and complaining about for years, it's just, it's inexcusable, man. So next, let's talk about, well, actually, no, I have another quote here. So they're talking a little bit about, about last month, and Phil Spencer's like, yeah, we didn't deliver on our roadmap last year. We had a 12-month plan for all these games. We absolutely didn't deliver on all those games. And so he's going on and on about that, and he's saying, um, you know, one of the hosts was asking about, like, what's the plan? with Like, Avowed, dar- Perfect Dark, Everwild, Fable, State Contraband, all these things. And he's, he's going on kind of talking about this saying that they're going to talk about a lot of those games at the showcase in June in a couple of weeks. So quote, he going to, on to discuss this year's showcase. Phil Spencer says, I'm not going to try to oversell the showcase because if I was on the other side watching this, I'd be like, Hey, after Redfall, I'm going to put my hands on the controller and that's what it's going to take to prove it to me. So basically saying, um, you know, I have to play the game for myself to decide because I can't I can't trust anything you're saying at this point. So he even acknowledges that he's kind of like lost trust with his with his audience. He says, but that's not what the showcase is. Um, so I'm very enthusiastic about the showcase this year. We're going to announce some things that people haven't seen, some new games, and we're going to give updates on some of the things that we were uh, just listing. there. So some of those games, Everwild, Fable, State of Decay, Avowed, Contraband. So. You know he wants to get to that one game a quarter for Game Pass at, 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 a, at a good quality, and things are lining up finally. He says, uh, following you know COVID, he said I'm tired of talking about COVID and blaming that, but I can now see that we've we've got games coming every quarter that I can think will surprise that I think will surprise and delight the customers. We still have to deliver on the creative, we still have to deliver on the technical. Not every game is gonna ship. Not every game that ships is for everybody. We know that I'm not trying to build the one game to rule them all. We will have different creative uh, takes and we will have a diverse portfolio when you think about the stuff that Microsoft Game Studios builds. But I like that. I think that we're trying to do – what we're trying to do as Xbox isn't to mimic any of the other platforms out there. We're trying to create our own brand, our own identity, and a a diversity of what we build, which hopefully will end up being our strength. But we have to – what we had to do, uh, we had to do at quality. We had to do it on time and we had to show people that we – that they're actually going to um, see. We had to show gameplay, and I think it's kind of beyond that. Here's the kicker. We have to put great games in the hands of players and nothing else. So that is the most critical thing he says, and we'll circle back to it at the end. We have to put great games in the hands of our players. There's nothing else. But yeah, he's going on saying, I think we're finally through all the kind of gunk up, following all those big delays that COVID brought on, sorry to have to bring that up, but you know it it is what it is, it's affected things in such a catastrophic way, but he's saying he's confident that they're reaching a point where they're going to start having a big game every quarter and that hey, not every game is going to be for everybody and and, and I actually agree with him and like this about Xbox, this is one of the things I I vastly prefer about Xbox to a lot of the other people out there And, and no disrespect to PlayStation, clearly they are the best at what they do and they do a great job, but you know with PlayStation, it's like, did you like The Last of Us? You're probably gonna like Ghost of Tsushima. Did you like the Ghost of Tsushima? You're probably gonna like Horizon. Did you like Horizon? You're probably gonna like you know Uncharted, whatever, because all their games there's a lot of sameness, right? In their first party output. But Xbox is gonna what he's basically saying is we're not afraid to be like, here's Forza. I know not everybody likes Forza, but don't worry. Next up is Minecraft Legends. I know not everybody likes Minecraft Legends, but next up is Starfield. And, you know, it's just there's always something for everyone and everything can be very different from one another. But I I like that. I want Xbox to have that. ...diversity in their portfolio where it is like they have racers, they have shooters, they have RPGs... ...they have tactical games, they have everything, you know, because I that shit's fun. It adds more flavor, adds more variety. Even if it means that you don't end up really caring about everything first party, that's fine. It just means that Xbox's first party gets to be a lot more diverse. I just hope that there is something that can tie all these games together to where you feel like there's something authentically Xbox about it. Think back to the 360 days... You got Forza Motorsport, you got Forza Horizon, you got Halo, you got Halo Wars, you got Gears of War. <laughs> you know, you think about it, like you got Banjo-Kazooie Nets and Bolts, you got Mass Effect. You got games like this and it's like not all these games are, you know, I could see why a guy that likes Halo might like Gears of War, but I don't know. Man, the guy who likes uh the guy who likes I don't know, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, which was like a second party game basically. Well, not a second party. It was a third party exclusive for a long time, you know, or something like that. I can you can see how that guy might like Mass Effect, but maybe he isn't all that into Forza or maybe he isn't all that into um, Halo or something like that. And it got to a point where it was like there's there's, there's you know, there's enough diversity and variety, while at the same time, it, they all kind of felt like Xbox games. Whereas nowadays, it's like, I, do, I don't care about Age of Empires. I don't care about Flight Simulator. They're cool tech demos. But, like, man, I, I need to know that, like, a game is an Xbox game. And when I play Redfall, there's nothing about it that feels like an Xbox game. It feels like a budgety, not quite there, Bethesda the game, because that's what it is. You know, I played Psychonauts 2. It doesn't really feel like an Xbox game, but maybe a little bit better. Um, so they got they gotta work on that. They gotta work on finding that through line. And I'm not even sure that I really have the answer as to how they do that, but keep that quote in mind. We have to put great games in the hands of our players. There's nothing else. Cause it's gonna tie into the end. So getting into that end, we talk about the future of Xbox, where the bullet points I want to get into are where he talks about the console being the core of Xbox. This is really important that he mentioned this. It made me really happy to hear because it does seem like there's a lot of love given to streaming and PC and all this. But, like, let's make sure that Xbox stays first and foremost about... The console because that's the bread and butter and that's where your hardcore base is so focus on the console so he does say that he says the console is the core of the Xbox business there's no doubt about that but they need uh, but, but they need to meet players on all screens developers do um, so that they can play games anywhere so he's talking about why they want to expand but also yes the box is the most important thing and then he says that this summer uh, also just as a side note they, they asked him some rapid fire questions and he does say that yes for sure this summer we will learn about whether or not Starfield will be 30 or 60 FPS on xbox so fingers crossed on that one i don't have high hopes for 60 but anyway so let's get into this last series of quotes and then we can talk about the part i was underlining so this this last set of like conversation here spencer was asked about if xbox had taken its eye off the console market by focusing too much on pc and streaming and in response spencer said that they uh they'd be wrong to think that just building a great console uh, titles could help overtake Sony and Nintendo in terms of hardware sales. So this is where it gets insane. They think building a great, building great console titles, video games. They'd be wrong to think that that could help overtake Sony and Nintendo in terms of hardware sales. Instead, it has chosen to pursue a different strategy to the Japanese companies. One focused on fulfilling developers' visions of enabling customers to play their games on any screen. Quote. We're not in the business of out-consoling Sony or out-consoling Nintendo. There isn't really a great solution for uh, for us to win at all. And I know that it will upset a ton of people, but it's just the truth of the matter. That when you're third place in the console marketplace, at the top two players are as strong as they are. And have certain cases a very, very uh, discreet focus on doing deals and other things that kind of make being Xbox hard for us as a team. And that's on all of us, not on anybody else. He added, I see commentary that if you just build great games, and I highlighted all of this, I see commentary that if you just build great games everywhere, everything would turn around. It's just not true that if we go off and build great games, then all of a sudden you're going to see console shares shift in some dramatic way. We lost the worst generation to lose in Xbox One's generation, where everybody built their digital library of games. So when you go on and you're building on Xbox, we want the Xbox community to feel awesome, but this is the idea that we're focused on more than great games on our consoles, that somehow we're going to win some console race. I don't think I think doesn't really lay into the reality for most of most people. Spencer claimed that 90% of people who buy a console every year already own a PlayStation, Nintendo, or an Xbox console and their digital games library lives in that ecosystem. Quote, this is the first generation where the big games that they're planning were. This is the first generation where the big games that they were planning, uh, that they were playing were games that were available last gen When you think about Fortnite, Roblox, and Minecraft, the continuity from generation to generation is so strong. I see a lot of pundits out there um, that, that kind of want to go back in time to where we all had cartridges and discs, and where every generation was a clean slate where you could switch the whole console share. It's just not that world that we are in today. There is no world where Starfield is an 11 out of 10, and people start selling their PS5. That's not going to happen. End quote. Spencer told Kind of Funny that developers want their games to be playable on as many devices as possible. Quote, we want to have a unique vision because we see what creators want to do. We have this unique vision for that reason. Creators want to build games that can meet players on any screen people play with their friends, regardless of what other screen they're on. And the consoles and the core of the Xbox brand, there's no doubt. So we'll, we will stay focused on making sure that console experiences are awesome. Or that, that a console experience is awesome. But I know this is the end of it. But I know some people want to hold uh, hold us up as just being a better green version of what the blue guys do. And I'm just going to say there's not a win for Xbox in staying in the wake of somebody else. We have to go off and do our own thing with Game Pass. With the stuff we do on xCloud and the way we build our games. I highlighted all of that quote. And let me just tie it back to the last section where I highlighted... We have to put great games in the hands of our players. There's nothing else. And then fast forward back to this quote again. There is no, uh, no, 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 no. I see the commentary that if you build great games, everything will turn around. It's just not true if we go back and build great games and all of a sudden you're going to see console share shift in some dramatic way. All right, so Phil Spencer, perhaps the most candid thing he says in the entire interview is that part about the Xbox One generation, because it's absolutely true. The Xbox 360 generation was the last generation where Xbox was truly competitive. It was the most competitive they ever were, and it was quite. They did quite well, and you know why they did quite well? It's because they had amazing fucking games, and PlayStation fucked up hard throughout that generation. But Xbox came out with great games, and so listen, I get it. At the end of the day, the the problem comes down to that 2013 PS4 Xbox One generation, because what happened is. That was the generation where the majority of people switched to a digital ecosystem. You made your Xbox profile, you made your PlayStation network account, and then your achievements, your gamer score, all the games you bought digitally, all the DLC and expansions, all the in-game transactions, games like Destiny, games like Fortnite, games like Roblox, games like Minecraft, games that you have played all throughout the Xbox One generation that now transfer over to the Xbox Series X generation that's what he's talking about. People are so invested. They have their friends, they have their progress, they have their purchases made. They have their entire library built. It's the same reason why play, like why people don't jump ship from Steam to Epic Game Store just because Epic Game Store is good. And it's because people are so invested in Steam. That's where everything exists. That's where they spent all their money. So how do you how do you get people to jump from one to the other? It's hard. Steam would have to catastrophically fuck up. PlayStation would have to fuck up so bad for people to jump ship to Xbox, and that's what he's saying. And that's true to a large extent, but I reject this notion that Xbox can't eat into the market share to some extent if they have great games. I agree. PlayStation is probably going to kick Xbox's ass no matter how good the games are. Probably. To some extent. And I say that because in that same generation where Xbox was the most competitive they ever were the Xbox 360 they were competitive when they had a great console that came out the con- that came out the gate great and had great games from start to finish of that generation Xbox 360 was a great generation save for the red ring of death of course which was catastrophic it was a great generation PlayStation 3 had terrible messaging at the gate came out out the gate fucked up way overpriced no backwards compatibility after a certain point. They took out backwards compatibility. Didn't really have good first-party games until the midpoint of the generation. And then just kind of just... They, they they fucked that console up for the first, like, three years of its life. PlayStation... Uh, you yeah, know, maybe two years. But PlayStation 3 was an absolute mess. And at the end of the generation, when all was said and done, PlayStation 3 still outsold Xbox 360 by not much but just a little bit they both sold in the upper 80 million range i think it was so playstation beat out xbox 360 by just a little bit but they still won despite everything that happened but playstation made a comeback yes because their brand is big and strong and because it's big in markets where xbox doesn't have a foothold yes but playstation made a comeback because they had great games They focused on amazing games, and that's what brought them from the depths of hell to beating the Xbox 360. The Xbox 360 came out the gate strong and stayed strong because Xbox 360 had great games. The most competitive we've ever seen these two be was when both sides had fantastic games. So because of that, I want to say I'm not convinced that great games will not help eat into the market share and help Xbox take people away from PlayStation. It absolutely will. I don't think they can turn the tides completely or be the number one brand. I don't think so. I think it's too. I think PlayStation's too good at what they do, and people are too ingrained in the e- ecosystem. I, I agree. They, they PlayStation I don't think Xbox could become number one just by having great games. But I do think they could go from being outsold two to one with PS5s and Xbox Series Xs to maybe being outsold. I don't know. You know, maybe forever every. 1.2, 1.3 PlayStation Three sold, and Xbox Series X is sold. You know that'd be pretty good if you could get to a point where you're only kind of getting outsold by the by the uh, by the competition because you eat up a lot of that core market. That core, I understand there are so many more people with iPhones and Samsungs in their pocket than there are people with Playstations and Xbox. I understand this idea. I understand there are so many more PCs out there that could game or cloud stream than there are Xboxes and PlayStations out there. I understand this. But the people who are willing to spend big bucks on video games and engage the most hours on video games and take interest in the kinds of games that Xbox and PlayStation create, despite it being a much, much smaller base, that market is on console. So you have to appeal to that that base. And maybe Phil Spencer, you know, if this is one of those, like, he could respond kind of things, maybe he'd be like, let me, let me clarify, because I think this is maybe misinterpreted, but he said earlier, we have to put great games in the hands of our players, there's nothing else. And then he said, if Starfield were an 11 out of 10, that still wouldn't make people go out and sell their PS5s. Maybe not. Might make them buy an Xbox Series S, though. Might make them subscribe to Game Pass. If it's great. But I can tell you one thing. People are not subscribing to Game Pass right now for Redfall. People are not buying Xboxes for Redfall. Because you fucked it up. Because you released it when it wasn't great. So don't tell me, don't say, don't lean on the excuse that great games won't solve everything. Maybe not solve everything, but it will solve a fuck ton. Because right now, people don't want to subscribe to Game Pass. Because they don't see the value in the games that are coming to Game Pass. People don't want to buy Xbox because... They're just releasing bomb after bomb. You gotta instill confidence in people. You gotta instill confidence in your base. Right now, what Xbox... You know, It it couldn't hurt to put out good games. Because, let's put it this way. Let's say someone wouldn't subscribe to Game Pass or buy an Xbox, regardless of how Redfall did. Fine. Do you think you might hemorrhage people who are on Xbox by putting out bad games? Do you think maybe someone goes, Fuck this, I'm fucking tired of this, I I put so... I put so much money and so much patience and time into Xbox. They keep letting me down. Star, you know, Redfall is the is the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm selling my Xbox. I'm buying a PlayStation. I want to go see what God of War is all about. Because they don't keep getting shit on for all their games. Xbox is getting shit on for their games. I can see that. So the quality matters in the great games and the in the in the stream of great games. Absolutely matters. So I think it's a little, I'm a little bit aghast that he said it like this. And maybe he didn't mean it this way, but it came off this way. And it's a really, really, really bad thing to say. And I get it because remember, let's go back to when we were early days of of cloud streaming and all that. Microsoft's approach with gaming now is we can't beat PlayStation at their game. Now we're setting our eyes on Amazon, Google, all that stuff because the future of gaming is cloud, right? It's streaming. We're very, very far away from that reality being the predominant way people experience games but we know that that's where things are headed so that's what xbox is obsessed with is trying to get on pc trying to get on other uh game pass on other platforms and trying to get a mobile through streaming that's their number one focus right now because at the end of the day if you can capture that market you got playstation is tiny tiny numbers compared to ios and android so i get it that's their market it's cloud streaming it's all that. But they should be pursuing that, and I'm glad they are. But in the meantime, and for the foreseeable future, I think quite a while, it's still gonna be the case that console is the way to go. People are buying their games on consoles. People are subscribing because of to Game Pass because of what they can play on their consoles. You know, that that's what you need to focus on first and foremost. You can do multiple things. You have the resources, your Xbox. But make sure you don't lose sight of the number one thing, at the end of the day, if you fuck up everything else, the number one thing you need to succeed and to have Xbox persist and survive and do well as a brand are great exclusive games for your dedicated gaming devices. Xbox home consoles. It's ridiculous to say otherwise. It's absolutely ridiculous to say otherwise. You're telling me that if Halo Infinite wasn't Fucking phenomenal. It was was Halo 3 levels of just adoration. The best games as a service we've ever seen, but it's Halo. And people are playing it like crazy today. You go on Twitch, they're not streaming Warzone, they're not streaming Apex Legends, they're streaming Halo Infinite. You're telling me that if that hadn't happened, people wouldn't be like, God damn, dude, I want to get an Xbox. That Halo Infinite looks good. They wouldn't be saying, God damn, I got to subscribe to Game Pass and stream Halo Infinite on my iOS device. They would be saying... I need to go buy an Xbox and subscribe to Game Pass so I can enjoy that Halo Infinite everyone's bragging about. That's what good games do for your brand. So, they matter. They definitely matter. It's part of the puzzle, at the very least. So, I mean, that's basically it, guys. It was a crazy interview. Um, You know... Honestly, again, shout out to the guys at Kind of Funny. They, they pressed a little more than I thought they would, although they definitely didn't go as hard as I wanted them to in some aspects. And shout out to Phil Spencer for being as, you know, raw and, and, and candid as he was. Um, I really wasn't expecting that. So overall, it was a really, really enticing interview. It was a really interesting and engaging interview. I mean, it definitely. You know, what this means for Xbox gamers, this doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence. I feel like Xbox is in a bad place right now following Redfall's bad launch and then having the head of Xbox kind of just admit, like, there is no winning. We could never beat Sony. I understand at the end of the day, it's not about winning the console wars with Sony. That's child's play. I get it. But they want to beat Sony. <laughs> they they want to beat Sony. If they can, if, if, if there was a clear cut way to beat Sony, they'd do it. They would go after it. they'd fight. But um, I think just trying to chase PC and cloud in Game Pass subscription counts, while those things are very important, I think solely focusing on that is not the right way to go. I think you need to focus on the old school tried and true method of making sure you're putting out phenomenal, high quality, exclusive first party titles. It's the very first thing Xbox needs above all else. So that's it for all that stuff. You guys, we've got a couple of important enough news stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warn their own discussions. Uh, so we'll rattle through those. The Xbox May update is now available, it's rolled out this week. Uh, it introduces the ability for players to view the X- their Xbox gamer tags from their Discord friends, uh, which could be helpful. Also um, includes uh, some new filter options on the pages players can browse on the Xbox's website on console to make it easier to find games based on price, languages, and accessibility features. Also has some firmware updates for the Elite Two controllers and adaptive controllers and Xbox rechargeable batteries. So, oh, I wonder if that, uh, huh? I wonder if that fixes my sh- Xbox rechargeable battery that's broken. I should try that out. Uh, Next up, VGC. Hogwarts Legacy has surpassed 15 million units uh, sold and grossed over a billion dollars, according to WB Discovery. That's insane. EA, continuing on with the sales success, EA has said that Star Wars Jedi Survivor is off to a very strong start during their earnings call. They said that uh, it's already reached millions of players since it was released on April 28th. Next up, FIFA 23 sales overtook the previous FIFA title within six months of being on the market, EA announced at their earnings call. Um, That could be due to the fact that soccer's big right now following previous year's uh, hype from the World Cup and also because this is the last FIFA game with the FIFA name before. It shifts over to EA Sports FC um, and also because, uh, I don't know, that might be it, but also they announced uh, FIFA 23 will be coming to EA Play and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscribers next week. So, hey, there's a great game to entice people to play some game, uh, get some Game Pass. Um, and then finally, Capcom has announced an open beta for Street Fighter 6, and it will take place later this month. The beta will go from Friday the 19th to Monday the 22nd. So uh, it's available on all Xbox platforms and Steam or, you know, modern Xbox platforms and Steam be available for anyone to take part in even if they don't have Xbox Live gold or anything like that uh, they can still play the beta so there is that and then that is gonna do it for all of our news this week you guys let's uh let's wrap up this kind of long podcast with a couple comments we we read through all the comments earlier um when we talked about redfall but now we got a couple other comments to get through uh starting out with Mr Maug, who, you know how it goes uh you go to youtube.com slash xbox on podcast or at xbox Hall podcast on youtube hit subscribe while you're there leave a nice review on podcast services but you can say anything you want you can leave a mean comment you can leave it a nice comment you can tell me to go red fall off a cliff for being an idiot and liking this game you can also tell me that Mountain Dew Summer Freeze is not your squeeze and I'll be okay with that but hey Mr. Mag wrote in and going back to the Phil Spencer thing he says hi Jesse I hope I hope you heard the interview that uh, that the X-Cast had with Phil Spencer about the issues Xbox is having. It was nice to hear a lot of PR, hear less PR talk than we normally hear from him. Yeah, I agree. And I, I strongly recommend to everyone absolutely take a listen to that interview. It was really, really good stuff. Um, good info we got from that. Next up, OG Man writes in. Hey, what's up, OG Man? Uh, writes in about Ravenlock and says, Yo, Jesse, I've been playing Ravenlock, and I just want to shout it out. Very fun, very short Game Pass title. Hope everyone gives it a go once you get past the first 20 minutes or so. It gets really good. Anyways, keep doing what you're doing, man. I've been missing the Twitch streams. Still got my Mountain Dew drinking emotes. Okay. OG Man, thank you for writing in. I actually have this game loaded up, downloaded, ready to go. I- I'm actually interested in giving it a go. After, after Redfall, I am going to give it a try just to kind of see what the game's about. So, appreciate the recommendation. I'm glad to see you're enjoying it. Uh, as for streaming, yeah, sorry, man. I, I want to get back to streaming, actually. I am currently, maybe possibly, in the process of buying a home. It is absolute hell on earth just trying to do some of this stuff right now. So, it's got me very busy, but I have been wanting to get back to streaming very badly. I, I hung it up for a while because I was trying to focus more and more on uh, just working on some other creative stuff and just trying to have a better balance in life but um i definitely need to do more streams because i i miss it i i thought i didn't really enjoy streaming all that much but the more i don't do it the more i actually miss it so i definitely need to do some more of that but just a fair warning if i go back to some streaming more regularly it's gonna be a lot of call of duty because that's just kind of what i enjoy streaming so full disclosure all right let's talk about germany adam z's writes in and says products and heart attack the best taste we all know you guys are in the u.s aren't veg pro or what we have way too much of this shit uh, I don't know what you mean exactly by that, but what do you mean veg pro like like into vegetables? I love vegetables. Vegetables are the shit, man. I'm trying to take better care of my body right now. You know, I've been I'm trying to be a little healthier. I, I love vegetables, dude. Vegetables are phenomenal when it comes to like good meals, good cooking, really understanding like vegetables and what they do and how how they contribute to dishes. I mean, it's it's most core, you know the most core element of, of of cooking is what you can do with vegetables and seasonings and shit and in how well you can cook i mean meat's good stuff meat is meat is everyone's main attraction you know if food was a if food was a theme park you know steaks steaks and fried chicken are like roller coasters right and i get it you know you know vegetables are like your uh, are like your shows or or your uh, kitty rides and stuff like that. It's not always fun, but it's necessary. It's how you it's how you build out a full, well-balanced day at a theme park. Because you got to have a little bit of everything. So, it's important. Shout out to the vegetables. I love vegetables. Shout out to asparagus. Possibly the best vegetable. Broccolini. Very good shit. Um, you also said, by the way, we have butcher shops that have super good food. You pick what you want and they put it in a bun for... Uh, Dills and fleshy, fleshy, Oh my god, they're bomb, dude. Come over sometime and don't forget to drink a good uh, Dutch beer, uh, Deutsch beer. I would fucking love to go to Germany. Germany is Germany is probably a really good time. And I, one day, hopefully, I'd like to get over to Germany. Uh, there, there are a lot of places I'd like to get. I've never, I've never really been much of anywhere. So I gotta once, once I finally get into a stage in my life where it's like I got, I got, I, got, I own a how I own a home. You know, I'm kind of settled into where I live. I'm a little further along in my career. Then we're going to start focusing on doing some travel. But right now, it's just like, just trying to get my, just trying to get my footing. Okay. But I would love, I'd love to. Uh, No offense. First country I want to visit, Japan. No doubt. Japan, Japan, Japan. Got to go to Tokyo, Disney Sea. Got to go eat some dank ass Japanese food. Got to see Tokyo. Japan's my number one. Uh, If we're talking Europe, again, no offense. I've always wanted to see Spain. I think Spain's the, the the country I've always been most interested in. I wanna ever since the Cheetahs ever since the Cheetah girls did it, all the way back in two thousand eight or whatever, I've i really wanted to go see Barcelona. So gotta gotta make it out to Spain one of these days. But um yeah, man, Germany would be fucking great. Good cars, good engineers, <laughs> good food. Uh yeah, I I'm down for it. I'd love to go to Germany. Uh, Alright, let's talk about f- uh, f- some family write-ins. Our last two comments. Cronky wrote in and says, How dare you? Deathloop is a 500 out of 10. It's a classic example of how a true masterpiece gets ignored because gamers like Call of Duty. What the fuck is wrong with you? Um, well, what's wrong with me is Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is a better game than Deathloop. Fucking fight me. Uh, and then my mom wrote in and says, The ice cream machine at McDonald's here in Kentucky is always broken. So, yeah. As I said last week, the ice cream machine broken no matter where you are. That's just how it happens. Uh, God hates us all. So, yeah. All right, guys. So that's it for the podcast. That's a, it's a little uneventful, I guess, on the comments they're a little light on the comments, not much commentary coming from me. But I think I, I've talked enough. I've, I've, I've talked your ear off enough for fucking two hours here. But, uh, yeah, I encourage you guys to go watch that kind of funny X-Cast interview with Phil Spencer. It's good stuff. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I look forward to hearing your responses to the Phil Spencer interview. Um, maybe you guys are playing Redfall. Got some additional opinions on it. Love to hear about that. But, guys, I mean, we're hey, we're gearing up. We're one month away. We're one month away from that from that Xbox showcase. I'm really excited for it. In the meantime, I'm going to check out some Season 3 Reloaded of Modern Warfare 2. Maybe get into some Ravenlock. But first, got to finish i got to finish Redfall because I'm enjoying it still. But uh, you guys, have a great week. Take care. Be safe. Be well. Check out, you know, watch out for your blood pressure. It's important to keep that shit under control. Eat a healthy diet. And then sometimes treat yourself and drink some Mountain Dew. Play some good games. Pet your kitties. Kiss your kids on the forehead. Tell your family you love them. But also go outside. Tell your car you love it because otherwise it will break down on you. And then you'll have an expensive car repair. So you got to not jinx that shit uh also uh check out the google pixel fold it was just announced it looks very cool Uh, i wish i had two grand laying around to buy one but but that's not going to happen don't don't listen to the to to what i'm saying surface duo i still you know i still love you most uh but yeah power your dreams play some xbox yeah chinese takeout sounds good okay